Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 220. Uh, real short intro, real long episode. Derek Clark from the uh, Broadway Theater League of Utica is back uh, for his third guest appearance. Uh, Kate Riley from Maiden Utica is here talking about the downtown get down. Heather's back. Kevin's back. I'm back. It's the Uticast, episode 220, and we are happy to have you here. Oh, yes. I'm giving you a compliment. It's, I'm being compliment. I was actually early. I was no, early. I, I typically, when you say to me, and I'm not, this is not I a know, knock on you, when anyone ever says to me, I will be there between 6 and 6.30, I expect 6.30. Right? No one's coming in at 6. Yep. So the fact that we're recording before 6.30 is pretty wild. Look at you. I know. I'm on fire today. How are you feeling after the long weekend that we just went through? I'm pretty tired. Are you I'm tired? tired. You still beat up? Yeah, I'm tired. I feel like I didn't have much of a weekend. No. Mm. Kev, how about you? How are you feeling after this long, busy weekend? Uh, gassed up. Victory lap season. I mean, we, it was a great time for all involved. Everybody should feel energized, rejuvenated. It's a, you know, beautiful Monday falls coming early. Wow, seems like. I do like it's the weather right now. It's going to be 80 later this I know, week. Wednesday, I saw 82. That. It's going to be 80. Yeah, you'll be all right. Uh, so welcome back to the show, folks. Episode 220 of the Uticast, a jam-packed episode suddenly i didn't expect it to be so jam-packed but uh long time returning guest uh Derek clark of the broadway theater league utica is back and we went a almost a full hour uh love talking to Derek. great interview and then of course uh our boss uh queen bay of maiden utica kate riley is here to talk about the downtown get down 2019 that was and the passports it was a great weekend it's fun it was a lot of fun. We already broke down a lot of things from mm-hmm. the weekend, but before I move past it, do you guys have any one particular moment from the weekend that you found the most entertaining? As a parent, it was nice to see how many more parents and children family-friendly the yes. event has become. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen a lot more kids show up. And yeah, yeah a lot of so parents think, and kids. So it's exciting yeah. to see that. might just be that more people are having kids. Too. I mean, you're Maybe. just for the children. <laughs> and the dogs. Uh, uh, Kev, how about you? Dogs are the children. <laughs> Um, a lot of stuff. It was a great weekend. Um, a good time. I really enjoyed a lot of the bands that I got to see. Um, yeah, I think Old Main was great as always. Old Main always. always does a good job. It was great to see Copper Vein clones back out there. They used yeah, they to play. Around, they used to play around a lot, and I haven't seen them in a while. I don't know if all those guys are still local or what the deal is. Sure. But it was really cool to see them out there. I thought uh, Zalatan was awesome. Oh my gosh, Erica slayed so it. Great. Just one woman burned it down. And um, the Light Keepers at Nail Creek were an absolute mm-hmm. treat. Yes, they were I great. I thought they were excellent. Shout out to that bass player because he was, I, I went over and told him, he was excellent. Uh, and we already talked about it with Kate, but shout out to the best DJ in Utica, Thomas D. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> it goes without saying. Uh, Thomas D. People uh, were, even though it was raining and everybody was stuck out on that deck and pinned out <laughs> in the rain, but as soon as Thomas D started playing, people just start moving and all of a sudden the whole deck is kind of going. I'm moving in the rain. I'm moving right now thinking about it. <laughs> right now I'm in the seat grooving. Uh, and then I, I talked about it with Kate, so I don't want to step on it too much, but uh, I had a great time competing in the server sprint. Oh, wow. I was which I you. Feel, server sprint was big time. And I didn't say it to Kate. I felt like I was a little bit 
Robbed? Just slightly robbed uh, from competing in the final round? There's a lot of, you know, anytime you have a first time an event goes on, you have a lot of different different scenarios coming up. We learn a lot about different rules and different strategies. I'll put it this way. There were four heats, okay? Four heats. But there were also at least five to six people in each heat. So yep. most heats had more than four people. Yep. My thought, and I, I hate to get down this rabbit hole, uh, is <laughs> my thought was you should take the four winners plus... The two fastest times of the non-winners, yeah. so that if yeah, you don't get yeah, yeah. stuck, yeah. like in a round with someone who's the same bolt of server sprint, you can still get through. Hundred percent, yeah. There's got to be some. There's got to be something besides just top four yeah. from the top from the four heats. In the in the heat of the moment, I don't think anybody wanted to commit to doing the math on figuring out what the top six was outside of the winners, and I think we just wanted to get to the final and move on. Yeah. And I think that's why it happened. Uh, although, I would have been number six had that been the Jeez, case. On the bubble. I was on the bubble. On the bubble. That's okay. I Great was, showing, though, for you. You look yeah, strong out there. You look yelling. strong. I was, out of, uh, I was out of form a little bit, considering it's been a while. At the end. That was my plan. So I had a plan, end. which was uh, to save the it. You'll rope it up. You'll rope it up. To save it, I was drafting, drafting on the way in behind everybody. And then on the final stretch on the downhill, just open up the stride. Now I lost some water when I opened up the stride. And that's. In the end, what cost me was losing water out of the cup, not the pitcher. You play the angles right, sometimes you lose some water. Just the way the life goes. <laughs> Ask anybody, they know. Um, I'm getting the impression that we're not going to get to any of the news from this week because I wanted to talk about something that Kevin and I Hooper got into. drives the boat, Chief. Yeah, I know. I'm, I know, I'm just I'm telling you right now. So I got home from, I've been getting home from work lately. Heather, you'll appreciate this. Oh, I will? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if you... <laughs> did you watch, like, daytime TV growing up when you were a kid? I did. Like, soap operas, yeah. game shows, things like yeah, that? Okay. okay. Yeah. All right, so you're, you're in on us, I think, for this general conversation. Okay. Last couple, last couple of weeks, I've been getting home around, you know, the, the 3, 3.30 kind of area from school. Mm-hmm. And if you turn on just the standard cable channels, I think it's NBC. I don't remember what it is. Sure. On the, on, you judge Judy. She's still on? Still oh, yeah. on. Going? 24th year of How Judge old Judy. Is she? We just looked this up. It was 74? 75? Oh. Yeah. So we looked this up. We did some deep dive really because we were talking about it. You said she made like, what, $47 million She a makes $47 million a year. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. She works 52 days a year. Great. Gets paid 900000 an episode. It's worth oh, over $400 million. Just Judy. Her just stunk. <laughs> uh, it got me thinking that you love... And then also we flipped to another channel and it was the debut of a new... Brand new TV court a show. brand new TV court show called... Judge Jerry. Judge, there's other ones like divorce. It's Jerry court. Springer. It's Jerry Springer. Oh, is a Jerry judge now. As of, <laughs> so we looked at it. We're like, how long has this show been on? It's literally it debuts on September 9th. It was today. We're like, so oh my god, a, watch it. Uh, like two of, minutes and then stop paying attention. Here's the thing: he didn't have the natural um, like charisma and sort of annoyance with young folks that that Judy Shineland has. Did no, he, I think he was treating it like his show. He was just letting the people do the work. He wasn't really saying anything. He did was he just have his like, oh. There? No. no, I was hoping should have made that ball guy to bail. Yeah. Uh, so I, just real quickly, I pulled up a quick list of some of the other courtroom shows from back in the day. If you guys remember any of these, let me know. They have Judge Judy ranked as number one. Gotta be. They have someone number two called Judge Mathis. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. I don't remember. I don't know if I remember Judge yeah, Mathis. Yep. Big time. Uh, the People's Court, which I think is the yeah, one from Judge of course. That's like the original. Yeah, Wapner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's who Judge Judy took over for? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Judge Faith. I've never heard of that mm-hmm. one. Uh, Divorce Court, which I think is also like sort yeah, of the long-running one. Yep. High daytime trash. <laughs> D- Judge Hatchet. I never heard of that. Nope. And then, I don't know what this one is, but I like the title. It's just called Hot Bench. Hot Bench. 
It's pretty good. All right. <laughs> Judge Alex, Judge Karen, America's Court with Judge just, Ross, just Judge Joe Brown. Judge Joe Brown. You know who I liked? Do you remember? Don't is, judge me, Joe Brown. Don't judge me, Joe Brown. Uh, no, I liked Judge Mills Lane. Remember Judge Mills Lane? Yeah. He was the bald guy. Let's get it on. He's a little. He was like a boxing no. referee. Oh yeah, Judge Mills Lane. Uh, and then Kevin asked me a great question about daytime TV in the midst of this. Now I want to present it to you, or you can present it to her since it was your question. I don't remember it. So oh, it was about which of the game shows it. would you rather? If you had to go on one of these two game shows, cold, which would you rather go on? Oh yeah, if you had to go, like say they told you you were going to be on either Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune tonight, you have no time to prepare. You're going on when they film at like seven o'clock. Which one are you picking? Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. For now, sure. Why? I used to watch it with my grandpa all the time, and I did pretty well at it. So came us with that. Okay, so yeah. nostalgia factor. Yeah, just, nostalgia. It's, it's the show you. I used to when Colin with my grandma when he used to have Collins. Sam's hot shots and saying send them out to Jeopardy. Oh. So here's my. Oh no. Because I'm again, like I said later in this podcast when I talked to Kate, I can't help but want to win when I get into a competition, I whether it's see, a server sprint or a softball competition. I just I want to win, right? I don't like the idea of going on Wheel of Fortune and like losing to something like spinning on the wheel the wrong. I don't like the wheel. I like oh. being in control, right? In Jeopardy, you're just buzzing in. You're in But in control. Jeopardy, you'd be even angry out there getting dunked on by some nerds that have been preparing for six weeks. Or he'll complain that his buzzer wasn't working right and he buzzed well, in before somebody else. No, that'd be Parkinson. Oh, that's mind. actually <laughs> something I've heard, though, He's is like... <laughs> that's something I've heard is like a real like strategy to Jeopardy, though, is like apparently the buzzer... It's, you can't just, like, smash the button a million times. There's, like, a specific thing about the buzzers, though. Like, it doesn't let you buzz in until they've read the whole question. There's something about the whole Sure. Buzzer. All right. And any other great any other morning TV shows you remember, like, daytime television that was big for you growing up before I move on? I used to watch Romper Room when I was little. Romper Room? Yep, it was great. And the Whammies. I used to watch my grandma. There was oh. There uh, Whammies or whatever. Uh, don't Pressure Luck. Don't Pressure Luck. That's back now. That's, That's Pressure on. Luck. Pressure, pressure luck. luck. Just pressure. Is it pressure, pressure luck? luck? Not yeah. don't pressure luck. Just the, pressure luck. And they said the dating game. I remember the dating game. I watched a lot of TV with my grandma when I was little. I mean, I've talked about prices right a lot in this show. That was a really mm-hmm. big one. Oh, my yeah, grandmother right. loved the prices right. Yep. Do you remember though that there were sort of like TV versions of board games? Like there was like Scrabble, the there TV was. show. Really? Yes, yes, there yeah. was. Yes, yeah. I remember that. And it wasn't exactly yeah. like you play Scrabble against somebody else, no, like one head to head. It was like games in the vein of playing Scrabble. Yeah, it wasn't I remember exactly. that one. Yeah, you can watch like the Game Show Network, and some of those still float up on there once in a while. Card Sharks, it's another one that mm-hmm. wasn't quite as good. Nope. And then the Pyramid, oh, right? Yeah, People like the Pyramid. Like the pyramid. Yep. This, yep. I don't know what any of this is. You don't wow. know the, the sixty-four thousand dollars pyramid, million no. dollar pyramid? That was. I mean, a, I've vaguely seen those game shows. Where they've yeah. got people out there in like a pyramid of lights. But I, don't know anything, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> the pyramid, pyramids of light. Uh, all right, so let, that's all I have for morning TV shows and Judge Judy. I don't again. What? That's all we had. It was like <laughs> so one sort of like morning yeah, yeah. daytime television segment. I didn't mean to do it. What about Days of Our Lives? So I don't. My grandparents didn't watch like the talk show, like the soap operas. Uh, the only ones I remember just being sort of on were like Days of Our Lives and General Hospital. And what's the is the one with the hourglass, right? That's yeah. Days of Our Lives. Yeah. That's sort of the just the thing I remember is that image of the hourglass. Yes. Yeah. Still the same one. Did you ever actually watch any of them though? Like I did. Just... I can tell you all about. Yeah, them. we talked about them. What we... was what was your one? You told me before your yeah. main Marlena. We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. We've talked we did, about when Marlena we? got yeah. possessed on yeah. Days yeah. of we Our Lives. Talk my mother that. watched it. She was well. possessed yeah. for like ten years. Can you yeah, watch yeah. them now? Well, it's the devil. I can't watch them now. So if you if you, I mean, if I was sitting here and nothing to do, I'd watch it. Yeah, sure. I wonder what it's like. I, I can't. Still same. 
I feel like the thing that would throw me off is the same thing that's always thrown me off watching soap operas is the camera work and like the light. It just looks low budget. Oh, it is. In a way that like a lot of even like regular sitcoms don't look anymore. It just feels very much like you're watching. They use a different kind of cameras. There's a, I was reading about that one time to kind of a deep dive on why do soap operas have that specific camera look. Yeah. And I don't remember the ins and outs of it enough to talk about it with length here, but I remember it being pretty interesting and something having to do with because they weren't storing stuff on film because they had to shoot every day, but it was like in a pre-digital time. And it was a whole thing that was kind of interesting if you're into like video production and weird stuff like that. But mm. there is a very specific reason why they do that. They use a different kind of gear. I just can't remember why. Mm. Hmm. I guess that make. I mean, it does look different. You always know it's a soap opera oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're switching yeah. through. So there's probably some benefit to just at least being different enough to be recognizable. I think too. But uh, so just a couple things. I'm going to skip past that one. Uh, here's a nerd story. This is breaking news from a couple hours ago. There was rocks discovered uh, today that seemingly proved that an asteroid killed the dinosaurs on a specific day and time. So we have scientific proof what? that an asteroid killed the dinosaurs. You guys, feel, you guys don't seem so excited about it. What news outlet was that? Well, I got it in the Wall Street Journal, but it's got picked up by a bunch of people today since then. This particular story is from USA Today, so take that for what it is. Uh, it's rocks found in a very specific off- offshore site in the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm-hmm. That's where they say it happened. Yeah, the most detailed look yet in the aftermath of the catastrophe. Uh, when the asteroid smashed into the Earth, the impact ignited wildfires, triggered tsunamis, and blasted so much sulfur into the atmosphere that it blotted out the sun... Uh, which caused the global cooling that killed off the dinosaurs. Uh, so there you go. Probably people who said the dinosaurs were a hoax buried in the desert by the liberals. Sometimes I almost <laughs> wish that I lived around more people like that so I could just I'm like yell at them more, try to change some minds. Uh, as a guy who has like a dinosaur tattoo, that's like one of those weird, like people say some flat earth stuff to me. I'm like, ah, whatever, flat earth guy, you crazy maniac. They're like, you know, the dinosaurs aren't real. I'm like, you took that back. That's not true. You know they were real. Uh, doesn't think they're real. No, that's the thing. <laughs> go, no please. No, I know. I've yeah. seen YouTube videos. Uh, so there you go. Proof that the asteroid killed the dinosaurs. You can go to Wall Street Journal if you we want. We found it. We found it, guys. Pretty soon you'll be able to buy it uh, on daytime television and commercials. <laughs> buy a piece of the Radical Rock. <laughs> the Radical Rock. like 1995. <laughs> Certificate um, of Authenticity. <laughs> and, this is, uh, and this is just a story I'm calling. Oh, wait. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have a big T-Rex get two team. pieces of the rock at <laughs> the same price. It's just a rock, just any rock. What if you um, it in the next five minutes? Uh, that's like something you would get from like the Museum of Natural History. Like You go to the gift shop and spend like mm-hmm. 50 bucks on like, this is a piece oh, yeah. of the original asteroid fragment that fractured into the earth. You're like, how much? A thousand dollars. Like, so what a deal. Yeah, I remember I this it. kid that we both know that sucks, but I won't say his name. Um, awful kid, though. Turned an awful guy. Uh, he used to bring a piece of like it was something just like that. He's like, this is a real piece of the Titanic, and he'd bring it. He'd try to like bring it to school for clout. And I remember he's like, buddy, that's like a little piece. That's just like a little piece of wood. Like, cool. I mean, cool. <laughs> That somebody rescued that from the Titanic, allegedly. That's allegedly. Like, it was like part of his everyday carry. Like he'd show up with this thing for a couple of weeks and just try to be like, hey, did you see my cool see like, just a piece it. of wood. I don't. No, I don't. Know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the one. Here's the one thing I always wanted. This is gonna sound kind of random. We're thinking about it though. We're talking about stuff. I went to a museum in D.C. Uh, mm. That that history museum, and in the basement they have like a jewel store where you can buy like really expensive rocks and stuff. Oh, yeah, I'll take jewels. <laughs> they, I know, right? they have like, but they have like run them jewels fast. <laughs> Sam. 
They have petrified wood, like stuff made out of that's petrified wood, wood cool. and that's crazy expensive and super cool. I used to like a lot of like rocks and gems when I was a kid that you could get from like the yeah. gift stores. All that mm-hmm. stuff is cool. They have little petrified wood pieces. That was another crazy uh, Shark Tank idea that never worked. Me and Goldstein wanted to figure out a way to make cheap artificial petrified wood for furniture. Right, like to build for your house. Like if you could find, I feel a, like people wouldn't want it if it's not real petrified yeah. wood. They might like the look though. If you could, if you could, if you could change up the look to make it more affordable, you might be able to. I don't know. It was just a crazy idea. I don't know. I said it was a bad idea. Yeah, you, <laughs> it wasn't our best idea. You know, so I'm going to turn this into my Shark Tank. People are just going to come on the yeah. show and pitch me their wild business <laughs> ideas. Uh, and, I'm going to invest my fake money. <laughs> and before we go to break, I just want to uh, do a quick segment called Mom's Corner, which is a story that my mom sent me that she thought was something that I should know about. Uh, okay. Uh, and it was, uh, again, this is from CNBC. Uh, mystery death toll rises from lung illnesses linked to vaping. Prompting the CDC to sound alarm on e-cigarettes. Have you seen any of the articles going yes. on about this? About the yes. yeah, vaguely the vaping epidemic now. Uh-huh. How vapes are killing people you know, and we, everyone should stop using their e-cigarettes. We discussed this like a year ago too about well, how people yeah. thought it was safe. Well, th- here's my question: Is this a conspiracy? Is this big tobacco and big marijuana being like we got to end the vape culture now? We got to tell people the vapes are bad. No, it's the fact that it's damaging the pipe, any kind of stuff in your lungs. I repeat, like Bingo. we should know that. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Like everybody knows, this is not news. It's funny that will go away, but cigarettes will still stay. Well, that's because people are stubborn. People love. Because at the end of the day, yeah, like the the vaping pens are like little robots that come Mm. with batteries. You know what I mean? Like it's not. If the power goes out, eventually you can't rock your jewel anymore. Mm -hmm. Rock, but you can always like people roll up with a rolling paper and tobacco, like hand rolled uh, cigarettes. Have you ever tried to use a jewel? There were once or twice with somebody who had one, and I was like, let me see what this like is and is about, and I was curious about it. Uh, I've tried it. It doesn't do much for me. I will say, I understand. it is sort of appealing as a piece of like technology, weirdly to say. like It's a well-designed-looking thing. Like, I've seen, oh, they've already got you. I'm not, yeah, they've no, already got yeah. you on the hook. That's what they want you to think. That's I'm why they make it look I mean, so that's the reality, though. You, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. you see some people out there with those big, giant vape pens, and they're like idiots. Right? The like, Ooh, it looks yeah. like a walkie-talkie. Yeah, yeah, like, that's you don't want that. But, like, I understand why that's a more appealing option than some big, giant, like... Sure. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I don't really... Vaping kind of missed me a little bit. I think if I was Too in my... Old. A little too old. Yeah, I think he's kind of missed me. You think you might have been like a vape god if you had been like I mean, I smoked a lot of cigarettes in my... I smoked a lot of cigarettes in my 20s. You don't think if we were like in that era, this would just be us dueling the way that we were smoking cigs in our 20s? Not that anyone else smoked besides me. I was the only person who smoked in my 20s, obviously. Yeah, I don't... I mean... People definitely would, yeah. It just it misses yeah. us. We're all old. It's just, yeah, I think that's really yeah. the thing. I don't think that... I think I'm already kind of biased to it because it seems like a generationally removed thing. I wouldn't be interested in it anyway now. I feel like I'm a little bit on the outside. It's, it's too much paraphernalia. Too much paraphernalia. Um, we're going to talk about White Claws later. I feel like I'm sort of on the outside on that one, too. I'm trying to stay on the outside. Very hip to be on the outside of White Claws right now. Is it? Very hip. Trending very yeah. high. Well, the White Claw backlash. We'll talk about that in just a moment after we... Well, we'll talk about that actually in an hour and 15 minutes when we get back from these two interviews. Our first interview with the executive director of the Broadway Theater League of Utica, Derek Clark, who's back for, I think, his third time on the show. And then coming back for her... I can't even tell... She's been on lots of times. Regular correspondent. Regular yeah. correspondent. Made in Utica correspondent Kate Riley is back to talk about the get-down. And then we'll be back after that.
Live Mics. Welcome back to the show, folks. Episode 220. Uh, Derek Clark, Executive Director of the Broadway Theater League of Utica, uh, which I'm going to say right every time we do this time <laughs> around Thank here. You. Derek, it's a pleasure to have you back. I'm always excited to talk to you. Uh, what am I keeping you from on this lovely Thursday evening that you could be doing instead? <laughs> on a lovely Thursday evening, on a sunny fall day, I guess we could say. We're, we're right? into fall, fall day. almost fall, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're like, it's a nice day out today. It's beautiful. This is my favorite time of year. Last three days, I've actually sort of caught myself saying that on the way home from work, just being like, man, this is this is living like Well, you're that. back at school, so. Well, I get out at that nice time of day where it starts to get a little bit cooler out and the sun starts going down and you get that nice pink-purple hue. It's real nice. <laughs> this is the... I don't know how much longer before the snow comes, and then I'll have to be complaining about that. But it'll probably be here next week, so prepare. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I always, I'm glad that you're you're on this week, and I'll I'll get into a minute how long ago last time you were on. But I keep always thinking to myself, I should bring Derek on, and then you're on like every other show, and I feel like I can't bring you on the same week that you've been on somebody else's <laughs> show. You uh, you're quite the popular local media guy. Uh, thank you. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I, I, I enjoy being out there and I enjoy representing you know the organization in the mm-hmm. public eye. So, how many years has it been that you've been there now? Four years. Four years. Yeah, you've been I'm working there. on number four. Wow. Right you, now. How fast does it? Does it feel like more than four? <laughs> uh, you know, it does. Yeah, it does, and I feel like probably of age twenty. Hmm. <laughs> so, oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe you know, this is yeah. supposed to be my easy job, my retirement job. Um, yeah. Uh, retirement in the sense of not retirement from uh, you know from ever working again, sure. but uh, definitely taking a step back and um, not working as hard. Sure, uh, not, not having to kill yourself all the time. Yeah, right. I, and the, you know those who do know me well um, know that I you know I spent thirty years at yeah. a senior executive level. As a matter of fact, I was probably one of the youngest senior executives in, yeah. the, in the Macy's Corporation, mm-hmm. um, and still hold that title, I believe. But um, I don't know that for a fact, but I, I was told I do. <laughs> I'll have to check um, the research. Yeah, we'll have to check. But, um, you know, 30 years uh, at a senior executive level uh, is taxing, is tiring, and, you know, it's exhausting. Yeah. So when I finally did take a step back on my 30th anniversary, it was, um, you know, that I was going to do something that uh, was fun mm-hmm. and allowed me to get back a little. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, really kind of just enjoy the life going forward. And then I landed in this job, and I think I work harder than I have in the last 30 years. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I read this theory, and I don't exactly remember where I read it, and I'll have to look it up somewhere. But it's this idea that when you're in your, your 30s and your 40s, you start to... You start to alienate people because this is that time when you're chasing it all the time. you got to make the most of your money and your career and your life. And then as you get past that stage, you start to look back and be like, I, I want to spend more time with people. Like, I want to get back to being around people. And wherever you read that, because yeah. um, I am that person, uh, so I can <laughs> yeah. tell you that they are completely accurate. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my 20s, it was, uh, you know, I was definitely going through a period of time where uh, I had a lot to prove. Uh, I yeah. was, I was, I was playing with, you know, some big players in the big league and, mm-hmm. and I was not. A big player in the big league. I became a big player, and then you know, and I was like, oh, but I was quite the little player, you yeah. know. And in reality and concept, and mm-hmm. really, I'm the smarts of the industry. And so, in my 30s, I thought I knew it all, yeah. figured it out, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I did know a lot more than I knew in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the 30s, you know, was a very uh, pivotal point in my life because. Yeah. Uh, when you get asked to move to New York City in my industry yeah. that I was in, that is, you, you made it. Oh, yeah. You know, you sure. made it. So, uh, and I was 33 when I was, uh, you know, brought to New York City. And I'm very familiar with 33. 
<laughs> which is the perfect age my perfect is the perfect number my lucky number um but uh yeah so 33 is when i went to new york city and um you know and, and then you know from the 30s and my 40s i was the you know the, the slave to the industry yeah uh, I just got to ask you, have you been back to New York at all recently? Have you seen any shows been down there? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just down there a couple weeks ago. What's the most recent thing you've seen down there? Beautiful. <laughs> you saw, you saw, <laughs> How did, yes. That's the Carol King show that you guys have coming. That's September 20th through the 22nd? That is correct. Yeah. So do you get to go preview all these shows and stuff? Before uh, they... Yes, for the most part. So um, how excited should we be for, <laughs> for Beautiful? Yeah. Uh, well, I've seen Beautiful three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I... Yeah, it, I think I told you this on your last year when I was on your show is that if people really followed me on social media, hmm. they'd be able to kind of figure out what <laughs> where, where the where I'm going, and, sure, you know what I'm leaning towards, yeah, uh, for the next season. Hmm. Um, I do put, you know, I I put little things out there and you know hmm. leak a little information here and there hmm. just to keep people guessing and sure. uh, you know because there are those that do follow, hmm. you know, and you know you're you know. The ladies that are in the age group of your mother, who yes. I absolutely adore, <laughs> your um, favorite podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, they'll come in and they get all giddy and cute, and you know, they're trying to guess the shows. And some of them do follow me, so they, they you know, they know. The, uh, well, we saw you here, we saw you there, and uh, are you bringing this? Are you bringing that? Or we really want you to bring this. Uh, and I work, you know, and I, I'm I'm very methodical about how I do it, and uh, and I do. I listen to every single comment. Mm-hmm. I read every single post. Yeah. Um, I usually, uh, I probably respond to ninety-eight mm. percent of all emails uh, that uh, that <laughs> I am sent. Yeah. Or social media posts, mm. whether it be uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, I'm very, very cognizant, and I think that's what keeps me um, level-headed and you know my ear to the ground on what people want, what they want to see. Uh, and I think it's very important to me. Well, that's really interesting because my, my next question was really how much of the job really is sort of cultivating relationships with people, with organizations, like sort of figuring out what people want to see, how you can get that to them. Like how much do you feel like of that is part of the job? Oh, it's a huge, I mean, yeah. it's huge. I, I mean, it has to be like 80%. I, I apply the 80-20 rule to, yeah. to, to that question. And, and it is. I'd, um, you know, <clears throat> you know uh, contrary to what some of the... Um, uh, the rumors going around out there right now, which we can go into that sure. later, uh, from some another big organization in town. <clears throat> um, uh, I have some very strong relationships, yeah. and 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 within the community and outside this community. Yeah. Um, and I find it quite interesting that there's one group of people in this city uh, <laughs> that do nothing but bitch, moan, and complain about every single thing I do. There's only one group. I feel like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've got a lot of those. Oh yeah, one one group of people, <laughs> and they know who they are. Um, you know, they want to complain about everything I do. Mm. They want to follow every move I make. Uh, you'll probably get a call to get them on the podcast because they'll be jealous that I'm on the podcast today. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, whatever. So I don't I mean, like to pick sides. You know me, Derek. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, stay people. neutral. Okay. Stay neutral. But, um, you know, contrary to what they say about sure. me, um, and I will go head-to-head with them face-to-face anytime, but mm-hmm. none of them will even meet with me because sure. they're scared shitless to, to sit in a room face-to-face with me. That's not, well, it's intimidating for some people. People don't like to get confrontational face-to-face. People love to get confrontational via... Social media, email. Yeah. Oh yeah, they get nasty on email. You know, never email me again, and blah blah blah. Uh, but face to face, I That's could it. talk them under tables. I could. I mean, I, That's a skill there. <laughs> I mean, 
I know the, I know the business, you know, and I know the business inside and out, um, and I know the numbers behind the business. And when you have producers that call you to say thank you for making me a ton of money, yeah, um, you know, that's the ultimate compliment because at the end of the day, we are a not for profit, yeah. And we are working, running in circles with a for-profit world, <laughs> and that's a you know that's a tough you know fence to be on and a, a hat to wear. Uh, between your sentiment there and your recent trip to Mikasa, I think you and <laughs> I think you and Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson have a lot to talk about. <laughs> but I think you guys have very similar concepts about what you like and what you don't. Oh my God, I love Mikasa. <laughs> Isn't it great? So I was, I'm glad you put that up there. By the way, um, the other thing I was going to ask you too is sort of. Uh, you know, you've been in this business a long time. And I'm curious because social media as a con you're very good in social media. You're a great follow. You do a lot of really interesting stuff like we were just saying. But that's a relatively new addition to like a job that you've been doing for a longer time. How significantly different is the job now in the era of social media than it was in the times beforehand? Well, um, well, what it has evolved into. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though in my uh, previous uh, positions yeah. uh, in the fashion industry, mm -hmm. you know, uh, under my umbrella... I had the internet business, really, you know, yeah, the dot coms yeah. or mm -hmm. uh, you know the brick and you know the brick and mortar versus uh, you know uh, direct to consumer D two C. I've always had those, and so when you have a business or um, you know a, a division within your business that is internet based, mm -hmm. social media comes with that. Yeah, you know, so there is a huge social media part of that. Mm -hmm. So I've always been exposed to the social media part on my wholesale retail side of uh, right. life and my past industries. Um, and you know, and I live and I think back and I'm like, you know, I think back to before I ever moved to New York city, yeah. uh, I was buying for dot com is what we called it. Sure. You know, that's what it was <laughs> called then. It's called dot com. <laughs> you know, so I was buying for dot com yeah. and, you know, and, and all the way back then, you know, we're talking, you know, 25 years ago, mm -hmm. we were buying for dot com and we were filling orders out of our brick and mortar stores. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but there's a part of that that's social media related. Yeah. And you have to be a part. So as, you know, it was MySpace back then. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's like, oh, we had to be all over MySpace. And then it went into Facebook. It's it tiring, too, a little bit as oh. you try to stay on the edge now. Because working in high schools, I the kids are on stuff that I'm not familiar with anymore. Like, I'm, I'm out on that. I can tell you. I can call one of your uh, students. Yeah. I will not get an answer on the phone. Nope. Um, I can text them. I may get an answer. Sometimes. I text sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I put something out there directly to them on social media. They are responding within seconds. Direct messages. And my first <laughs> comment back to them is, why are you answering me? You should be in class paying attention to your teacher. <laughs> you know, it's it's such a weird thing. Actually, a lot of today, like sitting around with the kids today and doing our sort of prep, you know, there's a weird thing with the cell phones. I'm a teacher, right? I sit at my desk. I do files and paperwork all day. Are they on the phone during class and you are... Well, not during class. My, my class situation is a little different, right? I have basically... It's hard... The way I say it, it's going to sound terrible, but this is the easiest way to describe it. It's a really, really fancy study hall. Kids come in. We have... I'm the class supervisor. We have assistants who work in the classroom, and we have tutors from UCU come in. Specific things. I'm a history English guy. We have math tutors and science tutors. So kids will come in from ninth through twelfth grade with whatever they're working on. Maybe they have uh -huh. a an English paper they need help on. Or that's a, math a luxury. Paper. I didn't have that when I was in high school. Well, it's a the program is specific to certain like uh, low income kids, uh, high diversity. Oh, that's awesome. So it's specifically like for kids who wouldn't be able to get into these programs otherwise. Um, but because of that, it is a little more loose. So if the kids are working on something on their desk and they have their phone next to them, it's like, I'm not going to take your phone from right, you. They're there on right? their, yeah, It's they're... mostly a, 
um, a, if you force me to be a jerk and take away your phone and put it in my desk till the end of the period, I'll do it. Please don't make me because I don't want to treat you like you're you a middle school kid. You don't want to ring you while other people are trying to study. And... That being said, in the actual classroom, classroom, if you go to an English classroom, social studies classroom, it's, it is a problem. It is, it, I've been in enough teaching assistant situations and class monitoring. It's <clears> really, I don't know how that would be. it's really, it's tough because this generation is really, and I'm, I'm not, I love this generation of kids. They give me a lot of hope because they have a lot of, like, they have a great mentality about life and they're very open and they're very accepting of everybody else and they're very, like, they just sort of, they get along in a way that I don't know if my generation got along that same way. But what makes me nervous about them is the same thing that you were so good at, you were talking about earlier, being in a room, talking to somebody, being able to feel like you can have a conversation <clears throat> with somebody and win. They are very, very I'm concerned about their ability to talk about themselves and be promoting of themselves. And it actually brings me a little bit into something, this Students on Broadway program that you were uh, doing with um, for your Community <clears throat> Choice Award. You guys pitched that to Community Foundation. Yes. Uh, I know the voting is over already, so people can't vote anymore. But can you tell me a little bit about that program? Yes, I can. And, you know, um, <clears throat> I have been, you know, this has kind of been a program that's been on a back burner for me for sure. a couple of years now. And I, you know, I'm very methodical in what I do and my timelines and how I work. It's just the way I was raised sure. uh, growing up in, in, in a very fast industry. Um, and everything has to be, you know, I, I approach everything like I'm working in a public company. And then when you have working in a public company, you have your I's dotted, your T's crossed because you're not going to be able to get anything accomplished if you don't. Mm -hmm. And I kind of treat things very similar to that going forward so yeah. that every I is dotted, every T is crossed and nothing mm -hmm. is, you know, half done. Sure. Uh, so I wanted the Students of Broadway program to be reintroduced. Uh, we changed it only a, just a little bit. It's Students on Broadway with, Broadway with an explanation point. I saw that. <laughs> uh, it has to have that explanation point. Unfortunately, you can't hashtag that with that no, explanation point. Yeah, but they, Twitter says they're, they're going to fix that. Yeah, they do actually. Ah, they we'll did. See. We'll see. I'll get on the phone with uh, <laughs> Jack Dorsey there. I'll text him. Please do. Put a word in for <laughs> it. Um, but uh, so the Students on Broadway program is, um, is a program separate of the youth ambassador program yeah youth, i have that written down here as well we can talk about that too youth ambassador program is still going to be the best of the best the cream of the crop mm -hmm. the juniors and seniors in the high school yeah. uh that you know are going to excel in theater or uh you know or just have a passion and love or just want to be in a group of people that really you know want to learn about theater and be a yeah. part of it the students on Broadway program is going to be for all students so it's inclusive of all students mm -hmm. from k through 12. sure we will have different programs throughout the year that will apply to all age groups. And some of the programs will be specific to, you know, so you need to be 12 plus or something, sure. you know, and, and a lot of that has to be like, we just had a master, uh, two master classes, a full day of master classes, uh, uh, like a three hour class in the morning and a three hour class after lunch. And, um, on the master classes, you know, the instructor for the master class, uh, Dennis Clark, came up from uh, uh, from the south, and uh, he's originally from this area in New Hartford, and he did uh, did the day for us, mm -hmm. and um, and you know his you know his skill level is working with children twelve plus, mm -hmm. so that was specifically to the instructor, and um, so we'll be doing different types of classes so that we can engage all students, yeah. and 
with the kickoff of that of this program that we're doing, uh, we uh, you know we were recognized as one of the three uh, uh, top nominees. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Was, I can't uh, say who were I voted for. I, I'll just put that out there. I hope you voted for us, I, but I know you need to be neutral. I must be neutral at um, all times. But yes, <laughs> but um, so we um, you know we uh, you know we were approached uh, mm. to complete. You know, to to apply for the grant process mm. and at least get into the nominations. Sure. And uh, you know, we don't know exactly how many people uh, totally uh, put their name in the hat, but at the end of the day, three organizations were chosen as the finalists mm-hmm. uh, in the arts and culture category. Uh, it was uh, just an honor. Yeah, here I am with my Tony. Um, <laughs> it was just an honor to be nominated. Oh, we definitely want to win, and we would oh, go to all. Sorry, Uptown. Um, but, uh, They're good friends of mine as well. Again, very neutral. <laughs> yes. I have to pick nobody. Uh, <laughs> no, so, no. Whoever wins, you know, it's it's a. I am you know. Congratulations to whoever wins if it's not us because we we think it's wonderful that everybody got nominated. The awards in general make me very pleased because a lot of the reason that I even started doing this show in the first place was to highlight cool people and cool stuff in the community that's going on. And what I've been constantly overwhelmed by every day since we started doing the show is how many people are popping up to do new stuff and do cool things and want to build something here. And it's something I did not feel in 2007 and 8 when I was desperate to go leave to run off to Brooklyn and to New York City and find my life down there. And You know, it's... You know, when I came from New York City to uh, yep. Utica, you know, it, it was, you know, I came here because I felt I had a lot to offer mm-hmm. and I had a home here and, ha- and had it for a yeah. while, but I wasn't living here and full time. And uh, so when I had the opportunity to actually move here and make a difference and be a part of the community, it was kind of cool because, yeah. you know, here you know, we have, you know, what in Utica, 61, 62,000, something like that. It's right around the number. And, uh, you know, in New York City during commute hours or during theater hours, we're looking at 18 million. Yeah, so. You know, little fish, big pond, <laughs> yeah. bigger fish in a little pond. Uh, uh, and I never really uh, realized, one, is that, um, you know, how hard I would work mm-hmm. to uh, to represent this organization. Uh, and uh, in doing that, um, it was definitely mind-blowing yeah. on my second year here uh, to be nominated by the Chamber of Commerce yeah. uh for business of the year and to you know after being here for such a short time and but really you know hitting the pavement running at 110 miles an hour and having two great seasons and this was you know the awards was in December of that of my second season and um, and that people actually noticed yeah you know that was like the the (laughs) biggest biggest compliment I could have ever received was that People notice this. They notice that I'm doing this, and and so <laughs> that was a great thing, a great feeling. You're speaking my language, by the way. That's been my entire experience with this since a starting point. I you know I got nominated for an award that I won last year for this by someone from the Genesis Group, Katie Jacobelli. Thanks, Katie. Uh, Love Katie. She's the best. Uh, but you know, I so I'm not like an attaboy type of guy, and I said I don't need someone to be like, hey, you're doing a good job, pal. Pat on the back. But it was nice to know that there is somebody out there, and that I'm not just yelling into the void that people get something from this and that made me feel good if not a little awkward having to come up and be like thank you for listening i I don't need that either and you know but um you know what i do need is 
uh, you know, support and in, yeah. in the sense that, uh, you know, you know, it, and it, it can just be, it can be, uh, silent, but known, I guess. Sure. You know, I, no, knowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, I know who has my back in this community and who doesn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, you know, I'm, I'm from New York City and I have a big mouth. And if I know somebody doesn't have my back, you're going to know I know you don't have my back. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just the way it is. And because I just don't want there to be any gray. Yeah. You know, it's very black and white with me. So it's, well, and when it comes to, uh, you know, awards and accolades and stuff like that, um, I do have to say, you know, receiving uh, from the Chamber of Commerce and Megan McGrogan, Fraser McGrogan, um, receiving the Business of the Year Award. Yeah. Uh, was definitely something that was extremely special. Uh, I also received uh, last November uh, from uh, HR, uh, ACR Health and the Q Center on their 35th anniversary gala, uh, received um, a very, very nice award at uh, their event in Syracuse uh-huh. for all the work that I've done locally for the LGBTQ mm-hmm. kids as well as the, um, the Q Center. And... With that award, that was so special because um, I know that I have impacted and changed mm-hmm. some kids' lives since yeah, I've been here. For sure. Uh, uh, the ones especially are struggling with, whether it be sexuality or just fitting in, uh, you know, are they trans, are they not, where do they go, what do they need? Uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of kids that I've, I've worked with, and I don't ever divulge who they are. Sure. Uh, if they choose to let that cat out of the bag at some point, uh, you know, all I ask is that they let me know before they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think working in education with the level of kids I work with, I there are some kids who are much more comfortable with who they are, and there are some who are, seem a little stilted. And again, I'm never going to approach someone and ask them about it, but it seems very, it seems much more common. And I'm actually glad you brought this up because I remember. God, it's got to be going on maybe a decade ago. Maybe a little bit more. I had my cousin, who's a doctor in New York. Shout out to my cousin, Mike. I love him. He's the best. Uh, now he's in Colorado, but he was in New York at the time. And I remember when he came out to the family, there was, you know, the older generation of my family sort of was, oh my God, they're taking it back. And I remember all the aunts and mothers calling the, the, the like my sisters and me being like, you know, Mikey came out of the closet. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm not kind of surprised. And I, and it's crazy that in the 10 year span, like now my family is never even thinks about that kind of thing. And they got very accepting and progressive in a way that, I'm, not that they were conservative or anything before that, but I think just society in general has changed. So I just want to ask you, in, you know, going back from your experiences in your youth and seeing what you experience with the kids today, is it harder now for them? Or is it, has social media made it harder? Uh, on LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ kids in this community, or has it made it easier to find like-minded people? Well, I thought a lot about this, mm-hmm. and, and and you know, and I wrestle with it in my head all the time because sure. every time someone, you know, one of the kids talk to me uh, or I have a conversation with them about uh, you know whatever it is that they that they're just maybe they're just not sure. Yeah. Um, the difference is, is that. I look back in, you know, the mid-80s, Yeah. Uh, you know, when I graduated, or late 80s when yeah. I graduated high school, mid to late. <clears throat> um, I grew up in San Francisco, born and raised. Sure. Right, okay? right, right. So it was a little different for me. I didn't have a coming out. Really? You know, the, yeah. Like a traditional, like you'd see it like a TV oh, show. Oh, bring the family together, tell them you're going to die. Yeah. You're dying, and then, oh, just kidding, I'm just gay. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh you know? I didn't have that. And, 
But I know people who did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. But uh, you know that was, I didn't have that because it was kind of like it's San Francisco people. Right. You know, it's like yeah, whatever. You know, everybody's gay in San Francisco. You know, more gay than not. And um, so it was just it's just accepted. It was, it was never discussed in my family. It was just oh, oh whatever. Um, so coming here, I was just gonna ask. I... <laughs> you know, it's totally different. And um, you know, and the you know, I don't, I cannot think of a bad experience that any one of the kids have had. The at least yeah. the ones that have come to me. Mm-hmm. But I think what has changed, so I, in that sense, I'm saying it's easier for the parents. Yeah. I did have, uh, you know, one student that came to me and uh, uh, senior in high school, had been one of my youth ambassadors for two years. Absolutely, absolutely adore them. Mm-hmm. And um, told me and um, wanted to know if I thought they should tell their parents. Mm-hmm. And I leave that up to them. Yeah. And they said that, you know, for the first time that they'd actually felt safe and felt like it was all right. It was okay since I had been here and they had been around me and I'd been so open about it. So they, uh, you know, and and I'm not going to hide that from anyone Mm -hmm. and especially with the kids that I work with. So, you know, every situation is different. And that's exactly what I told them is that, you know, when you know it's right and you feel it's right tell your parents and I don't know if I shared this story with you before but so they told their college because uh, they were going away to college sure so before they told their parents she told all the roommates that right they'd be living with you know in just a few months sure because this is uh, three weeks before graduation right that though I'm having this conversation mm-hmm. with them so then I'm like walk out afterwards I'm like oh gosh their parents are going to kill me yeah. and um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, talked to them. They uh, you know, decided that they were going to tell everybody mm. uh, that they were rooming with. Right. Because they felt more like they had, um, uh, they had violated their trust. Right. For sure. Sure, yes. sure, sure. Because all of a sudden now you've got roommates all the same sex yeah. in a house and you're, you know, you know there's, there's something there that's different between sure. you all. So uh, they decided to go that route first. Mm-hmm. Brings them all together, all the kids together. You know, they sit down and they're having their coming out. And they're all like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's so little... they said it was so uneventful mm. and sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like there was no like <gasps> gasping, nothing. And uh, so then because of that great experience, yeah. you know, great, not great experience because <laughs> they thought it was going to be so much more and bigger and more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, than it really turned out to be, they told their parents. And then I'm like, now your parents are really going to kill me. <laughs> so um, I get a, you know, and yeah. uh, I get a call from the mother. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, heavens to Betsy, here it comes. And the mother says, we want you at their graduation. Will you oh, be there? That's pretty sweet. That was the phone Wonderful. call. That's great. And, you know, so that was, you know, that was a real pivotal moment, no. especially for the kids here. Yeah. And, story, um, actually. and to this day, you know, they're still one of my favorite people in the world. And I see their parents all the time mm-hmm. and, um, and I won't do it any differently. You know, so I think what's really different though, between these situations is that where so many people of my generation were back in the eighties, 
um, is where the trans community is now. Oh, interesting. Wow. I never even thought about that. Like just the trans. Oh, wow. So the, you know, hmm. even though transitional yeah. people who were transitioning mm-hmm. back then were of an older generation, mm-hmm. now it's become uh, more identifiable right. in your younger years. And I think it's probably better socially. I mean, I won't say socially, but I mean, at least on the health front, mm-hmm. uh, if you're, you know, you feel like, you know, that's where you're going and that's what you're going to do, then uh, it is probably better to start that at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, too, you have to understand the dynamics of doing that at a younger age are yeah. very, very difficult. Yeah. So I think that the trans community, mm-hmm. and if I'm offending anyone, I do apologize. That's just my own observation. Yeah is more in that pivotal moment that kids from my generation were just being gay or lesbian. Interesting. That's a a really interesting uh, comparison and analogy, though, because I I do see, you know, it is a much more common topic of discussion now than it was five years ago. I never heard people talking about trans culture, trans people five years ago. And it's it's fascinating, too, if you look at the studies, is that, um, you know, from what I have read, and again, it's my own unscientific unscientific (laughs) analysis, But it's what I found is it's, it's interesting is that with the kids, like when mm-hmm. when gay kids, when my friends came out in in high school, and uh, or you know after that I had friends that came out even as young adults, mm. you know the fathers always had the issue. Yeah. <laughs> Mothers were accepting because mm-hmm. we're going to love our kids. Of course, dads had a, a problem with it. With the trans community. The mothers have a problem with really? it. Really, it's huh. it is, and from mm. every situation that I have been involved in, right. it seems to be the mm. mothers are more vocal, and I don't know the answer or why. Huh. It's just it's, it's just has been the way, and that shocks me. From having the knowing my family the way I know it, I just think from my if my father was in that situation, I don't think he'd know what to say. I don't think he'd know how to react to it in any sort of way. I think my I don't know how my mom, my mom is actually very dumb. The other, the, only, and the other thing I was going to bring up is I have, you know, what I find interesting about today's culture that is very different now is, you know, I have a lot of kids who are different religion as well, right? And some of these religions... Oh, yeah, Proctor. Yeah. And you can look up information about what people think about you and your religion or your sex or your creed and look at this online and you start questioning things. So I'll give you a very broad example so I don't... Yeah. One of my students... Uh, is a practicing in a religion that is not very friendly to LGBTQ community mm-hmm. in general, as a generality. But she's a very you know sweet young girl, and she has friends in her schools and in middle schools and high schools that she's been in who are LGBTQ. And I remember she stopped me one day, and she's like, "I'm kind of at a crossroads here." You know what I mean? Like I grow up with this thing that my family and this religion tells me about how I should feel, but I also have all of these close relationships that make me question how I, and I as a teacher can say nothing I can't pick a side here because there's like a whole there's aspect a of, yeah there's it but the only thing I can tell them is I'm like you know pay attention keep these things in your mind like think about these things more look up more information look up more research and when you get to a point where you are an adult and you want to make your own decisions about these things then you can make an informed decision but that's really all I can say to kids like that you know what I mean, and it happens more often than you think. So I, I can see that, you know, and I'm I, you know, in in my situation, which, uh, you know, when I came out, which my coming out that wasn't one. Yeah. Um, I remember my mother, mm. um, 
uh, leaving the church. Really? Left the yeah. church, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. they left the church. Mom was in solidarity, or just because? Well, they were, they were large contributors to the Catholic Church. Sure. And, yeah. Um. And I remember us, and, and she was in mm-hmm. she was in parochial schools. Yeah. You know, she had the stories of the nuns slapping their knuckles with rulers oh, yeah. and all of that stuff, right? <laughs> um. But I remember, you know, my family leaving the mm-hmm. Catholic Church, and I never really knew why. I was mm-hmm. too young. But of course, my mother knew. Uh, she knew I was gay at four years old. So you think she she never had a question? You just knew. She yeah. was four years old, and that's why she left the Catholic Church because they weren't accepting. I mean, I can tell you why I stopped going. We did a whole podcast <laughs> about that a long time ago. And with that um, went the money no, too. You know what? No, actually, I'm gonna, actually, I'll bring up that story because I've talked about this before in the podcast. But I went to I was a public school kid, and my parents were religious in the way that like suburban families who celebrate Christmas are religious. Like, we would go on Sundays, but my dad wouldn't go. He would, like, sit home and watch, like, Godzilla movies and presumably drink, and we would all go to church. I'm like, how come I can't stay home and watch wrestling and Godzilla movies? And, <laughs> and drink. And drink, yeah. <laughs> and drink cola pop or whatever. And then she's like, no. Because my mom liked, I think my mom liked the community of it. The idea of going someplace and, you know, hearing some positive, uplifting thoughts or prayers or whatever, right. and sort of... Being around other people and, and having that. But I remember I went to religion class, which is something if you're a public school kid, you they make you do once a week. So every Wednesday you go to, you know, religion. Kind of like a catechism or... Yeah, I don't even know. know. I, it was just called like CCD at the time. Okay, I just went to like Lords to do it. And um, I remember it was in like middle school. Like the last few years we were doing it. And I had, I won't say the guy, but we had this teacher. He was a deacon, bishop, whatever he was. And he went on this whole tangent about, again, about, you know... If, you know, if you are gay, if you're homosexual, you will go to hell. You're not going to go to heaven. And it was the first time. It's going to be one hell of a party. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, everyone I know is going to be there. Uh, and it was basically the first time as teenagers that me and a couple of my buddies, these public school kids, like sort of looked around and were like, mm, I think this might be bullshit. Right? Like, I can't. I'm not totally sure. Generally, most things adults tell me I'm taking on face value, but this seems. Like, bullshit. And we, like, questioned him in this classroom about it. And he got really agitated. Did not like the the course of questioning. And that was a big moment, I think, for a lot of us being like, ah, okay. I, I think I see what's going on here. Brainwashing. Uh, but it's, 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 it's weird that going from that defend not defending, but, like, arguing for the point of, like, this doesn't make any sense to me is one of the, re- the reasons that I started to make my exit to organized religion, if that's, that's as far as I'll All right, so let's talk about something a little bit lighter. We've gotten off track here, but uh, I love, that was a great conversation, by the way. I'm, not, I'm happy about it. Um, I want to run through some of the shows that we have coming up before we get into lightning round questions. Yeah. Uh, I have them listed down here, but you have all the books in front of you. So <laughs> the, first, uh, the first one is September 20th through 22nd. That's Beautiful, the Carol King musical, which you just said you saw and you really enjoyed. Yeah, so I've, seen, I've seen it three times. Three times. And, um, I saw it originally with Jesse Mueller, saw it in Once in Between, and then just saw it a couple of weeks ago with Vanessa Carlton. Awesome. Um, and there was something, you know, and I'm a huge Jesse Mueller fan. Sure. And um, you know, I actually, uh, it was pretty funny, is um, I, Minwa um, is an actress, mm-hmm. and a beautiful, beautiful Asian actress who um, I had the pleasure of uh, becoming friendly with. Oh, and sure. she... Uh, she's been in lots of different mm-hmm. movies. She was in Joy Luck Club. Oh, nice. And uh, if you look on my Facebook page, you'll see that put together <laughs> at the Tony's. Uh, Tony's two years ago. Mm. And um, so, yeah, just just beautiful, eloquent, uh, everything wonderful about her. Well, she has a whole posse of people, which in our photos that we were all in together, 
you never see her her whole glam squad. Sure. <laughs> but to look at the dress that she's <laughs> yeah. wearing, and I know she probably would kill me mm-hmm. for telling this story. Well, oh, well, so well, hopefully she doesn't listen to I doubt lady. she listens to her. <laughs> so we're going to assume in a minute she does listen. So we're at the Tonys, and... Um, and I'm going off tangent here, but it's okay. it, it was no, fun. This is a great story. So, if you see her dress, mm-hmm. the woman is smoking. Absolutely gorgeous. And this dress, by far, best dressed at the Tonys. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> she was just beautiful. She finishes, uh, she's a presenter. Mm-hmm. She presents her award. And she finishes the award. Boom, we go to commercial break. Commercial breaks are the best part of the Tonys oh, because yeah. everybody gets out of the seat so fast. And the producers are over the loud, over the loudspeakers on the mics telling you, you know, we have, you know, 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're doing the countdown all the way to the 15 second countdown where yeah. they're literally screaming at you to get out of the aisles, <laughs> get into your seats. <laughs> and um, so that whole part of it is just so the fascinating. Magic of television. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then, oh, live, welcome back to the 72nd <laughs> annual, you know. Uh, Tony Awards and uh, but so after the commercial break instead of men leaving the stage yeah. you know because they printed the award the person did their acceptance speech boom we go to commercial break mm-hmm. she comes down the stairs to walk in front of row A yeah. and uh, uh, in um, uh, the theater so as she is in the middle of the theater mm-hmm. her dress Gets, so she's walking through the middle. Yeah. The first row, seat on the aisle, the first two seats on the aisle, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, the right is the first two seats, is Tina Fey and her husband. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Bruce Springsteen and his wife <laughs> are in the second row on the aisle. So they're diagonal from... Yeah, yeah. Everybody's trying to get to Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Every commercial break. Yeah. And... He was mesmerizing. Me. I mean, Bruce Springsteen, I would have never thought, I mean, oh. I love Dancing in the Dark, you know, Dancing <laughs> in the Streets my, or whatever it was, Dancing, dancing in the Dark, the dark. Yeah, yeah. back in the 80s with you know, Courtney Smith or whatever her name yeah, was, Courtney, Cox, and yeah. Courtney Cox. It's a great video. It's a classic. Look that it one up. It is. And um, uh, so everybody wanted to meet Bruce Springsteen yeah. and uh, it was all the stars. And it was hysterical to watch <laughs> these stars go like all race. <laughs> And he would stand there and shake their hands and, and everything. Men comes around, right as everybody starts to get up, her dress, her chiffon dress, gets caught in her heels, pulls her back, <laughs> oh, no. and she falls forward. She falls face down oh. in the middle of Radio City. Oh, my God. And Tina Fey <laughs> is bending over to pick her up. Oh my God. It was... It was so. We laughed all night about it. We did. She was in a good. She was in good spirits, and she laughed. And well, you know, you know that's all you could do, really. And um, so the funny thing, you know, to bring this full yeah. circle is after men fell, and she got up, classy as she could be, and most and beautiful. They touched up her makeup and everything. Mm-hmm. We're actually at the after parties together, and um, she says, "I love Jesse Mueller." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> So do I. Her assistant comes up and she says, Jesse Mueller was spotted. And she has her whole posse. They're out in the Plaza Hotel and everybody's on the lookout for Jesse Mueller. So my partner and I, Jason, are with her and we're sitting there and we're, you know, we're, we're probably starting to have too much to drink. And we are on the hunt. 
for Jesse Mueller. <laughs> that was our number one mission of the whole night. And we're like, do you think we'll get arrested for this? <laughs> Hashtag, where's Jesse? <laughs> where's Jesse? And we hunted her down all night and never ran into her. We ran into everybody else. Josh Groban, Sarah Barillas, everybody else. The one person we wanted to meet, Jesse Mueller, we never met. You kind of said it at the end there. My next question was, how liberal is the drinks flowing at the Tonys? Are people having a good time at the Tonys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love it. You know, and it, it's so funny though. It's like you're, the alcohol is flowing, and you know, and Jason and I have the the same year, yeah, uh, two years ago. The couple, the uh, the son and daughter, and I don't know who they were. Uh, I believe they were. Uh, she, I I think she was a soap star. I, I I'm almost positive the mother was a soap star. Sure. Um, I know her from somewhere. Didn't know where I knew her from. What show? Then I, as the night progressed. Um, and then she started getting so tanked. <laughs> and her son was probably in his early 30s. Oh, and you know, was he was feeling pretty good too, but not as tanked as mom. And she could not hold her head up. And then it was watching her drunk. Mm. I'm like, she's a soap star. It hit me. She's that drunk soap star. <laughs> So also she was in character, and and then that's where I'm like, but I can't. And, and it was like I remembered her from when I was younger, and mm. when I come home from school or college, yeah. and you know the soaps would be on, and um, so she um, speaking of the devil there, <laughs> um, but um, w- yeah, it was it was you know it was, drinks are flowing, and you know this year at the Tonys it, it was hysterical because here I am I'm sitting there with a glass of champagne and a big old giant bag, and I'm, I'm I'm doing like. Part, part keto here. I'm like on low carbs and low sugar. Are you doing Drinking right champagne. Now? Yeah, I still have. Oh my gosh. And a big old bag of M&M's because that was the only food. <laughs> and we were starving. <laughs> so they had M&M's, gummy bears, and something else. I can't remember. So it was champagne and M&M's. Peanut M&M's. And of course, you can't Goodness. like eat the M and M's during the show because the bag makes too right. much noise. Oh my God. <laughs> they shush you for that, like over there. Like, oh, my God. oh yeah, they do. And so uh, <laughs> they shush you to Fallon. The one time I went to see Fallon, my buddy was too loud, and they keep going like. Shush, 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 oh yeah, shush, shush. it's it's you know, and it, you know, it, it's such a great production, mm. and it's such an amazing thing to see. Yeah. Um, and I'm very on the technical side now. Mm-hmm. I find it fascinating. Oh yeah. You know, it's like how do they pull this off? You know, it just. Amazes me. That's like a that's a, a character thing as well too. I've got I had friends who were video editors, and now if I watch a movie, all I can ever think of is like, oh look at those cuts, look at all these cuts these guys. It's like yeah. once you know how something kind of works, now you're fascinated all the time. Uh, by it. I was, and this year it was it, you know it was like in my first year going was always it was just like wow 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 and watching people and this year became less about the people yeah. because I'm like okay and I went to her sitting in the same exact seat she was sitting in last year. Yeah. Um, absolutely love Anna Wintour. She's one of my icons. She's I all just... over the the news this year. I feel like I've seen, wow. I've seen a lot more Anna Wintour this year than I have since like Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> she, <laughs> um, yeah, my that was yeah, Devil Wears Prada. That was my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she um, no uh, Anna Wintour. You know, I have some great Anna Wintour stories. We'll save for another time. Mm-hmm. But um, absolutely love oh. the woman, and you know, she's my you know. That is me. You know, that's my personality. That's the way I was raised. Uh, you know, in the industry. So uh, um, I get it. I do only have probably about ten more minutes. Let's I go. Have to go. Uh, but I will say, if you want to get full, full details on all these shows, go to broadwayutica.org. 
Yeah, Very good. thank awesome. you. So yeah, we top. have an incredible website. It's yeah. beautiful. Great job, Adam, um, by the way. Oh, awesome. thank yeah. you. Quad Simia did that for us. Uh, I will run through the rest of the shows very quickly. So uh, I think I have this in the right order. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so next will be Rudolph the Musical. That's November 20th. Escape to Margaritaville. Escape to Margaritaville. Okay. It's October 15th and 16th. Okay, and then you have uh, Rudolph the Musical. That's based on the, the claymation intellectual. <laughs> That's uh, which I love, by the way. You know, it's our second time bringing it here. Yeah. And, you know, there aren't a lot of great Christmas... Uh, shows out there. That's true. Especially those that are, you know that zero in on the kitties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to find them. So Rudolph, I brought back before the kitties, and, and that's November twenty second, correct? Uh, then you guys have Jersey Boys on December fourteenth, which uh, I, I forget. I was actually doing a bit a few months ago when Cats when the Cats trailer came out, and we were talking about like the most successful Broadway shows of all time. I was surprised at how high on the list Jersey Boys was. I kind of forgot what a phenomenon that was. When it first came out. Too. You know, Jersey Boys uh, was here five years ago. So yeah. it was a year before I came. Mm-hmm. And um, with Jersey Boys, uh, you know, it's it celebrating its 10 years right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. 10 years and, you know, this is their final bow. Yeah. So uh, we're very fortunate. We're going to have Jersey Boys here for one night only. It's on a Saturday night in Utica. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, I come on. It's, it's Saturday night in December with the, uh, the Jersey Boys in downtown Utica on Genesee Street. The town is going to be hopping. Yeah. And the restaurants are going to be packed. It's going oh, yeah. To be an incredible night. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm sure my mom's excited for that one, yeah. too. Uh, right after that, on the 18th and 19th of December, you guys have Fiddler on the Roof. Yes, classic. Love Fiddler that, on the Roof. That's our classic one this year. Love the, love the soundtrack on Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, I don't have Once on the Island. What date's that one? Uh, Once on the Island is January 15th and 16th. Okay. Um, then we go into Rent in February. Oh, man, Rent's a okay. 20th anniversary of Rent. That's the other one I was looking at. Yeah, rent, again, you know, Rent I brought back because uh, you know, it's just an iconic show with the LGBT. TQ community. Yeah. I think it's always important to keep Jonathan Larson's, uh, yeah. you know, his legacy alive. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Larson never saw the first, set, you know, the first show wow. of Rent. Yeah, uh, he died. And um, so <laughs> I read that story when the when the movie version came out. I remember reading that story was making the rounds a little bit. Um, by the way, total side note: I kind of never liked the movie versions of any of these musicals. I really, didn't, I didn't like Phantom. I didn't like. Um, didn't love Les Mis as a movie. Into the Woods was fine. I don't know. I, I, no, into the Into the Woods was with Meryl Streep, right? Meryl Streep and Corden were the. But Corden I didn't. Was the big I didn't see it. I it's, I wanted to, and I just never saw it. Into the Woods is my number one. My the first play I ever saw that made that meant something to me. My sister was in the Utica College production when I was a kid. My my ten year old sister. She was Red Riding Hood in Into the Woods, and I. First musical that I ever saw as I was old enough to be like, wow, this is awesome. I want to do this. That's how it got me in the drama club and stuff. So I have a very soft spot in my heart for Into the Woods. The movie is just fine. And it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it works to make movie versions. We'll get to the cast thing in a minute if you want. I'm very <laughs> curious about that. But did you see the Rent movie version at all? Have you seen it? Uh, did you like it? Rent the television, the one on Fox? Yeah, yeah. Um, in January. Yeah. Did you like it? Uh, actually, I did. But you know what, though? I did like it. But I think what I liked more about it, mm. and I didn't know it, like everyone else, I found out at the very end, that we didn't really see the real version. That's right. <laughs> That's Which I was like, was that on purpose? Because it really built up a lot of hype. But I was... It was the dress rehearsal. Yeah, that's right. And they, somebody got hurt. The guy got broke his... He broke his leg. Yeah, it was right. it ended up My in the God. hospital. The lead. And I caught that. Mm. Because uh, we're there, we had a huge party yeah. at Swifties, 
uh, for it. And uh, you know, courtesy of WUTR. Sorry, mm-hmm. I had to give them a plug. That's fine. Um, We're friendly with them. WUTR, uh, <laughs> WUTR uh, in us, and we, uh, you know, we had a, a party, and I was watching it. And we came back from commercial break, and he had a cast on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his foot was elevated. Oh, my God. I'm like, wait, what just happened in a commercial break? Why, there's, he's not supposed to have a cast on. <laughs> and then we found out after, so of course, like everyone else did, that it was really a dress rehearsal we were watching up until that God, that's point. Right. I forgot about that. I actually like the trend of doing the live TV versions, mind you. I don't love the big movie versions, but the live TV version is almost, it, it's like a live show. It's visceral in that same way. And I think what it, what it does for Broadway, mm-hmm. it does help Broadway. Yeah. Uh, it reaches, you know, like it reaches a, a whole nother generation oh, yeah. that may not have the um, ability to go to New York City to see a Broadway yeah. show, but it makes them aware that if one comes locally, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. try to get to the local show, the local performance, just like it does here in Utica for us. And I think I have one more show after this view, unless I'm missing. Oh, you're missing a couple. Oh, I'm missing cats. Oh, so cat. You have cats. cats. March third and fourth. March third and fourth. Very excited about this. Um, you know, uh, Betty Buckley mm-hmm. uh, is a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. And this, she won the Tony for this. Yeah, yeah. She is the original uh, from Cats. And she, what a lot of people don't know is that she won the Tony mm-hmm. and was the first person to ever sing Andrew Lloyd Webber's song, Memory. Amazing song. Which is on yeah. U.S. soil. That's amazing. Everyone thinks it's Barbara Streisand. It's not. It's Betty Buckley. <laughs> and nobody says sings it like that. He does. So Cats is a really interesting... Cats got a lot of discussion because of the movie trailer that came out. People felt one way or the other about it. Um, I've actually never seen the play itself. I'm familiar with memory. My mom basically had a cassette tape of like Andrew Lloyd Webber's greatest musical. Oh, yeah, I, like, I know yeah. exactly what yeah. you're talking about. So I think I, I have it too. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I like Mine's that Mine's a desk, but... <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know any of the story of Cats. I'm very confused. But every time I read the plot, I'm like, I don't know if I understand what's going on. <laughs> but I think it's... Nice it's like, kitty. <laughs> I do feel like it's the kind of thing that is much more interesting, again, in a live setting, that sort of visceral action to it. I don't know how it's going to translate to a movie with weird CGI and stuff. I'm a little concerned. <laughs> um, you know, I'm hoping to ride on the coattails. Well, that's fine. No, no. I think it's going to be yeah. December show. I mean, that you're December a smart businessman, so. <laughs> um, and I will be riding on those coattails. Yeah, no, of course. I'm already I planning mean, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, brother. But, you know, only to sell tickets. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm, I'm fascinated. <laughs> I'm I want to see how it's going to all play out. I think fascinated is the best. I'm very fascinated with it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I saw Cats a couple did years. Did you see the play ever on Broadway? Oh, uh, yeah, two years ago. What's it like on Broadway? Because I'm sure that's the show that everyone saw. That one was also on the list for, like, the top highest grossing of all time. Well, so. it is. And, you know, I know it's uh, hopefully nobody's listening that's from the show. Uh, I have a hard time understanding it all the way through. Yeah, I think a lot. Of it, you know, it's the names. Yeah, and I, you know, I look at this picture and they all look the same to me. <laughs> like, who's who? Well, somehow um, the costumes on stage are less unsettling to me than the than the movie. <laughs> like the, somehow the, that I again, it's the technical aspect. I understand. We have Jennifer Hudson in there. Yeah. I mean, there's some great names yeah, in, the, in the movie. Yeah, Idris Elba. Taylor Swift. I that mean, one threw me off. She was... loves cats. She does love cats. <laughs> she has kitties. Uh-huh. <laughs> and do we want to, uh, let's do Color Purple while we're at it, because nope. that's the last one I have written down, and that's April 13th and 14th. April 13th and 14th awesome. is Color Purple, and it's kind of our uh, tribute to, uh, you know, 
uh, Black History and uh, you know awesome. bringing a little bit here to the community that um, is, um, is is really important. Um, and and that's, then that's the last one I have written down. So is this boom? We end the season, huh. uh, which I call my Jesse Mueller mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> bookends. You know, Jesse Mueller uh, was the original from Waitress, yeah. which I saw Jesse Mueller mm-hmm. in this. Saw her in our first show, which yeah. is beautiful. Uh, so it's our bookends of Jesse awesome. Mueller. We will go into Waitress. Waitress is one of those um, uh, shows that if you have... Have you seen Waitress? I'm familiar with it, but I've never seen it. Waitress is a phenomenal show, uh, phenomenal music. Everything is great about Waitress. It deals with a very tough subject, yeah. and um, and it, which is, uh, you know, is uh, spousal abuse. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll touch on that. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because musicals and plays always do have, you know, a lot of times you look at, like, plays and the stories of some of these plays. Like, even when I was a kid, we did, like, Guys and Dolls. Like, isn't there, like, an abortion storyline in Guys and Dolls, isn't there? Like, there's, some of the stuff does touch upon sensitive subjects. West Side Story, like, that's Oh, a, yeah. Yeah, like, a lot of, there's a benefit to that, though, I think. Well, you know, and it's, um, you know, and I have this conversation a lot with people yeah. who call or write letters. And yeah. like I said, I try to reply to 98%. If, I, if somebody's complaint is legitimate, yeah. um, you know, I'm going to respond to it uh, if it's legitimate. If, even if sometimes if it's not a legitimate complaint, you know, I have a lady um, and a husband who didn't renew their subscriptions because um, I they feel I should have their right-winged Christian viewpoint on Broadway. And I'm like, I don't censor the arts and yeah. neither are you. So that you know, you just I'm sorry yeah. it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. And if you don't want to renew, I can respect that. Mm-hmm. But just respect yeah, our opinion as well. That engaging, we, are not, we need to engage. Yeah, the engaging in the conversation is important. Like a lot of people would get that and just be like, Well, the hell with these guys. Let them leave. I may have but, said that under my breath, but Yeah, but I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> but, sure. But but, you but then I always there, go back. Yeah, but you went back there and had a con. What do they just want you to get like bloody bloody Andrew Jackson? Is that the, <laughs> is that the only play they wanted? That's the yeah, only I yeah it's of. like no rent. Um, no rent, no Pippin, uh, you know, uh, no cabaret. I'm like cabaret, cabaret. Leg- oh, oh yeah, they said they were like, they they were dumbfounded that cabaret, you know, the cabaret. And again, dumbfounded so by cabaret. This is one one couple yeah. out of the seventy five thousand yeah. people that have come to our shows. Isn't it weird that you those know? are the ones you one. remember though? Those, those as yeah. a, I was thinking that as a, I used to wait tables in New York. I had. Tons of wonderful yeah. tables. The Carmines, people. right? Carmines, you know it. <laughs> Tons of wonderful people. The only tables I ever remember were the ones who were assholes. <laughs> the only way it works. I'm like, you know, uh, I'm, so, yes. Yeah, so. No, no, no. no. Uh, and, uh, I want, and again, people can go to broadwayutica.org to get, get all that more information. information. Uh, I do have three very quick lightning round questions for you before I let you go. Uh, and again, of course, Derek Clark. What's your specific Twitter handle if people want to follow? It's Derek... 33 Clark. I forget oh, Clark it. 30, Clark, 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 Clark 33, 33 Clark. Clark. That's what yeah. it is. I knew it was something yeah. like that. I'll link that and stuff on Twitter. I, I think I'm like, a, like, are we like a 7 or 10 year anniversary on Twitter or something like that? I, We're I, getting close. I, mean, I can't believe that I've actually been on Twitter that long. And, you know, and, and on Twitter, I am, uh, you know, those are my opinions. Oh, yeah. On Twitter. And, I have uh, to fluctuate the, between the Uticast and personal Twitter accounts depending on what I actually oh, yeah, want to say. Sometimes I forget and I answer on the wrong one and I yeah, have to go I'm, back and delete yep, the tweet. I've done that, done that before. <laughs> I do yeah, that. I, I have to keep all... I try to keep the political stuff to my personal one, but we talk about some of it on the podcast. I also kind of... It depends well, your on Your format's we're, a little different. Yeah, we, you know. well, it is what it is. I think I already get told that I'm a liberal cuck like once a month. So that's all right. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll start with this one. Uh, as I was mentioning to you, uh, Into the Woods was my first sort of moment that I came in contact with theater, musical theater, that really sparked me. Did you have like a play or a movie or a moment that you saw that got you like 
that brought that into your life that got you really excited for like stagecraft? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I remember it, and I always will. And it was still to this day. I think because of that moment and that experience, mm-hmm. we'll always rank that show as number one. And that was Sarah Brightman and Michael Sarah. Crawford at playing the Phantom and Christine. Yeah. That's, and I think that's know, a big one for a lot of people. I mean, uh, it was my first show, my first Broadway show, and my parents had, um, mm-hmm. you know, my father and my mom had already been to. Yeah. Uh, New York City and saw the show mm-hmm. so they knew you know the Phantom on the I was coming out on the chandelier so when they took me to New York City with yeah. them to see the show um, our seats are yeah. right there in front of the chandelier yeah. and <laughs> I'm watching Michael Crawford he was just mm-hmm. he looks like he's six inches from my face as yeah. a kid uh, you know hanging off a mm-hmm. chandelier and singing and it was the most it was absolutely Breathtaking. Phantom was a big one for me only because my parents did that thing where my mom and stepdad went to Toronto at some point in time yeah. when they had the Toronto run. Oh, and yeah. Came home with, again, the cassette tape of it. I made them play it all the time. Like the whole thing front to back. Uh, Even the songs they didn't like. <laughs> 6.30 in the morning and a quiet Sunday and blasting Phantom oh, of the yeah. Opera throughout the house. It was either that or the Beatles for me pretty much every other day <laughs> with my family. Uh, Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently uh, reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, um, for television, uh, Murder in the First. I don't know if I know that one. Is that yeah, yeah. Murder in the First is a series that's on TNT. TNT. It stars Tate Diggs. Oh, all right. And uh, it is set in my hometown of San Francisco. Nice. So um, I'm I binge watch that very good and absolutely love it and it's kind of a law and order but yeah. set in San Francisco mm-hmm. and uh, it is a it other it's a um, the whole series from start to finish every episode is connected yeah so you you, mm-hmm. you have to watch every episode to get through the whole sure. thing love it uh, and last but not least uh, Derek Clark executive director of the Broadway Theater League of Utica give me one more thing uh, besides. The LGBTQ activism, besides your love for Broadway shows and your love for uh, creativity, give me one more thing that you are passionate about right now. Uh, one more thing that I'm passionate saving my image, I think, right now. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, I have a group of people here in Utica that um, uh, want to defame me, and that's their ultimate goal, and know, it's pretty sad. Did something, I mean, we don't have it's to like, get into who and or these what. are like, you know, 60, 70 year old people. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, come on, people, get a life. Did this, did something, like, I don't know, did this come out of nowhere? Because I feel like we, last time you were on the show, it was August 20th of 20, 19, uh, 2018, which was about 55 weeks ago. So a yes. little bit more than a year. Yes, and thank you for inviting me back on my one-year anniversary. You're always welcome to come you back. An, you did invite me back on my one-year anniversary, and I, I was, and I, uh, unfortunately, I was not able I to mean, make it. I mean, I'm not the best when it comes to inviting people. That's probably my fault, <laughs> too. Uh, no, but, you know... Do you feel like, I know that when we last spoke on August, you had sort of mentioned that there was some tension that was building up. Are things better or worse? Oh, worse. Worse. Yeah, far worse. And, you know, and, um, you know, and, you know, and I've been quiet for four years now. Uh, And, you know, it's hard for me to be quiet. And, you know, I I received a call this weekend from a youth ambassador that really struck a chord and hit home with me. Mm. Um, And talking to kids are the ones you have to call you and that's what gets you. (laughs) Yeah, because I, I, I won't lie to them. Yeah, you know, exactly. No matter what, I won't lie to them. I won't stress the truth. Uh, but I was very honest with them. Mm-hmm. And um, and I did tell them that, um, you know, there's a few, a handful of individuals uh, here locally that um, want to take me down. Mm-hmm. 
we've come across various issues with Maiden Utica over the years where people don't like what we're doing, don't agree with what we're doing. And I think at a certain point, if you feel like what you're doing is the right thing and you believe in what you're doing, at a certain point in time, you can't eat shit anymore. You just got to stand up for yourself. <clears throat> and, you know, regardless, I'm not here to pick sides or anything, but I, in our years of knowing each other, regardless of Broadway Theater League stuff, I respect everything you've done in this community oh, for thank you so culture much. and LGBTQ activism and everything you do for everybody. Uh, so, no matter what happens, I respect the work you do, and I think you should stand up and say what you feel like you need to say. So, Derek, I want to <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much for being here. Again, folks, broadwayutica.org. Uh, I'll put all the links for everything else. Uh, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. always a bonus did you is this because you got jealous because justin was weirdly on two weeks in a row yeah what the heck sam well no that <laughs> so i interviewed nobody him. needs to hear more of him than they have to <laughs> yeah, i was gonna including I was, me <laughs> i was curious if he was gonna sit in on this part too when he came in <laughs> that's earlier. probably why he sent me down the street he sent yeah he sent you down the street <laughs> Uh, Kate Riley, um, my boss here at Maiden Unica. Wow. <laughs> well, it's funny because we were just talking about it. Um, I'm like sort of the boss now. And I have such a hard time now like asking my people to do stuff, even though it's like kind of my job to do it. Mm-hmm. Does that get easier? You're the boss over here. Does it get easier asking people to sort of help out as time goes by? This is your fourth annual downtown well, get down. It's a little bit trickier with this because... You guys are all volunteers. We're all volunteers. I'm a volunteer. Yeah. You're a volunteer. So it's it's harder, I think, to um, sort of demand tasks of people who are willingly giving their time. But it right. has definitely gotten easier to just ask you guys for help with mm. what I know you guys are you know willing and able to do. Um, I think that bossing around your coworkers does also get easier <laughs> over time. But at least you're you know they're paid to listen to you. So. That's true. Uh, well, our, I thought the staff did a pretty good job. I felt like I was not around as much as I would have liked to in the buildup of this, uh, just because it's the start of the school year. My life is very busy, but I feel like a lot of folks were out here really, really digging in over the last couple of days trying to help you guys out. Yeah, it was cool. I, I tried to open it up a little bit this year, so we did a couple of pre-planning meetings and like call yeah. for volunteers and people who wanted to help specifically with certain items. And, you know, I got to say, like, certain people... Uh, Tim really came through with bands and sound. Oh, Tim, by the way, one of the best. Much, much more so than ever before. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always, me or Justin have always kind of put in our two cents on what bands we'd like to see or, you know, who we think would be good. And and honestly, I, I just, you know, I was like, here's our budget. Do your thing. That's it. Just do it. And And so that was great just to not even have to worry about that. And then our photo, photo crew, uh, Ken and Amy and Allison and Dylan, it was so nice to like not have to worry about that. Oh yeah. Just to have them be like on it on every element of capturing the day and 
you know, it's uh, it's hard to remember those sort of things. I like, I remember a couple of years ago, I looked back on an event and I was like, well, I did not capture a single moment. No. Well, that was, it was nice to see them actually sort of floating around during the event because it really gave it like a nice feel. I was like, oh yeah, look at this. Like, there's, yeah. We're going to have memories of this. And I had to just suck in my gut the whole day. The whole day. I was like, <laughs> like I you didn't. never know where Ken's going to be snapping. Yeah, it's going to be a candid. No, I thought, uh, I thought it was a great event. Uh, I want to start on Friday though, because we did the Uptown event yeah. on Friday. And I thought that was a really nice, uh, a nice something new that we didn't do before. I thought that was a nice little change of pace to yeah. do it over there. Yeah, so. it's always um, fun to kick it off on Friday. You know, it's it's funny because I, I was off all day Friday. You know, we're, we're over there working at the park and weed whacking and cleaning up, getting ready. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, we well, we got to be, you know, at the Uptown in a half an hour. <laughs> but it was so much fun. And, you know, we all collectively loved Evan and Brianna and what yeah. they're doing and um, the the band was cool. The improv was fun. We were hanging out at the Green Onion, who's on the Passport, so we got to do that. Yeah, that was my next question. Passport seemed like we got a nice pickup turnout. Uh, where are we at yeah. with passports right now? I think there's only like 20 left. Total. To- total. 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 <laughs> wow. I saved a couple for the archives, and uh, <laughs> you know, normally you guys all get them. Like, we didn't even really do like no. disbursements for the crew this year. I've still yet to see one. My mom has one physical copy. Yeah. I've only seen the digital prints. I've looked yeah. at them a little bit that night. They really are nice. You did a yeah. good job. Yeah, they are good. It was nice this year because I, I did all the shipping today and I was like, wow, this is considerably less than past years. Yeah. But it's because so many people did, you know, did free or yeah. did the local pickup. Mm-hmm. So it was, that was really nice. And, you know, I think it was cool to combine our two big things for the year together, like into one giant event. And, mm. Because um, we always usually do the pickup in the spring, so this time we did it in the fall, and I think it's nicer because everyone's a little—well, not you, but a lot of people's life no. calms down in the fall, so they're a little more likely to maybe go out and try to get all of the the businesses. You no, know, only people like myself in the teaching industry, all us weird teachers. This is when our life gets yeah. like wild nonsense. Yeah. Uh, I want to say I did—I uh, did not get a chance. On Saturday morning, you're on the bag square at all. Did you get a chance to be down there at all? Well, I was uh, I was cleaning up at six thirty in the morning <laughs> in the Franklin Square alley. You know, I saw your photo out there. To yeah. Do. yeah, and then um, I caught the the tail end of yoga. I stopped in to say hi to Sarah Miller who taught and mm-hmm. ask her how it was. Um, Fifty or so people were there, which I think is awesome. Um, I stopped in to say hi to Zach and Bite, who was doing his uh, his funky brunch, which is, I feel like that was really him and his element, you know. Funky brunch is everything that his life's all about. It really I is. <laughs> I said hi to the to the folks at Upstate Empire Fitness who were doing their their step class. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. They they had all their spots filled and they did their workout outside of Utica Coffee, but all of those were very like brief stops because you know it's uh it was set up it was crazy go time uh so let's get down to handshake city for just a second and i want to shout out the puppet show who feel like he's been in a lot of our events yeah talk about them quite as much they do such a great job every time they're out there they've done uh three this was yeah two last year this was the third event for us they're great kids love them oh yeah kids love it we put out those foam blocks that i that haunt my nightmares but you hate the (laughs) i hate them because they're like just huge. You can't clean them and you can't move them, but they're great for we kids to, power, to jump on. We need to power wash yeah. them, number one. 
Uh, did I tell you that? I don't know if I told you the story about there was the snake living under one of them, the family of snakes. Oh, yeah. I had to remove them. Mm, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't kill them, by the way. I would never do that. I just yeah, moved them to a... What can you do? It's, it's wild down there in <laughs> Handshake City. Uh, I also want to say, you made a point to talk about uh, Tim earlier. Uh, yeah. About the bands. All day long. They're great. We're awesome. And I'm just going to run through the names real quick. Uh, Lady Daisy River. Uh, Lady Daisy River. Uh, Zalatan. Copper Vein Clones, The Old Main, Uncle Charlie and the Meatballs, Fungi. I thought everyone was awesome yep. the whole day. It, it was, was really, really cool. It was great. Um, I got to say, too, like uh, Erica, who is Zalatan. Like, yeah, yeah. It was great because her and her wife are both members of Handshake yep. City. She did um, music, and then they were both they were hustling, selling their artwork and stuff, oh, yeah. too. So, like, it was a cool kind of full circle for them. And then her cousin who is Zalatan Dental, and um, his partner, Selena, um, was, or the, Selena Soy was the the sponsors of the stage. So it, it was cool because it was all like a, a big, like full circle of, of uh, you know, creativity. Uh, I don't know if we want to run through every single vendor on this list. No, we <laughs> don't. We don't. It was cool, though, this year. I mean, um, you know, it was just, we we try to mix it up. We have a couple of people that are there all the time, and then there's a couple of new people there. We had a lot of artists there, which was mm-hmm. kind of how we gave back to the arts community because so many of the people that were there have contributed mm-hmm. art to the park, the yeah. murals. There was, there was a couple of people who had done murals. You know, um, Tony Thompson was there. Venus Apollo Studios was Tony there. Yeah. And, you know, those are two people who donated free art to, to Handshake. So I was like, hey, come down, show off mm-hmm. what you're doing, try to sell some stuff. Um and then we had uh, Brian Boyd inside doing live graffiti, which was which was cool. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. He was a really nice guy, by the way. I talked he to him. He was super nice. Uh, as I was preparing for the server sprint, which I want to get to as well. Yeah, <laughs> we have to talk about that um, for sure. Uh, I was talking. I watched him. He was, I love watching all, all the graffiti artists do their work, but he's really he was great. He was just yeah, was so lines thoughtful and, stuff. and yeah. kind, and like asked me if he could take a break, and I'm like. Dude, you're, you want. Dude, you're, <laughs> you're beautifying our, our space for free. Go do it. I thought the server sprint was a huge success. I it was, was actually, amazing. I was shocked. I was it. I was very impressed. You know, there's always this thing with um, when we do events that have pre-registration where people have to sign up ahead yeah. of time, which I don't know. It just drives me crazy mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, I, and I guess I'm the same way. Like, I hate committing and registering for things, but it was like a week ago and no one really had signed up and I was yeah. like oh my god what are we gonna do and then we had like 22 or 23 people doing it we almost had too many people yeah almost yeah it was great though it was I was saying today um this was really Devin and Nicole's brainchild and, yeah. and they knocked it out of the park I think mm. um and uh I don't know you participated what did you think was it fun I thought it was fun I I was definitely okay so it was just like when we did the softball thing a few weeks ago I went into it being like, hey, it's a cool event, charity, doing it for a good cause, whatever. I don't mind doing it, even though I'm probably going to be bad at it. <laughs> Immediately, the second the race started, I was like, no, I'm going to win. I'm going I'm, I'm like, <laughs> to, there was no, it was, there was no gradual turn. It was an instant flip switching and uh, switch flipping in my head. It's like, I need to win this. I need to represent. I was a little mad I didn't survive, but that's okay. Uh... I wouldn't have made it to the final. When I looked at yeah. the last race, the people who won it, yeah. I, don't remember, I can't remember his name. Steve Karbowski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched him do it. I said, I was like, ah, no, I was never catching him. He's anyway. very, he like actively plays lacrosse right now. He's very active. <laughs> I really, I gotta say, I mean, Steve's a, a dear friend of mine and he actually, 
Um, he's the reason we have picnic tables at yeah, the park. Yeah. Like he ended up donating half of his prize money back to the park, which was so super. Yeah. Um, but I was really cheering for for Rachel for Ray Bay. She was. <laughs> she was the only female who made it through to the second round, and I was she really was rooting for. Her. She was the quicker one, but she, she lost she, on the penalties. She spilled. The penalties, I have to say, was a nice touch because I was thinking about that the whole time. I was trying to think about how like uh, a way to cheat. Yeah. And I was like, how? I was like, what if I just dump everything? <laughs> And then just run as fast yeah. as I can, but you can't use your other hands. So you'd have to get all the yeah. stuff. How would you? Sp- yeah. How would you do it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, I thought it was great. Um, I don't know. Oh, I guess we can talk about Varick Street as well because by the time we got there, we were also sleepy. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the Light Keepers though. And they I thought, were awesome. And then Thomas, I, uh, the best DJ, the best in, DJ Utica. in Utica. <laughs> I don't know who he tweeted that. Someone said that to him. Was it you, Sam? He tweeted it this morning. Someone said it to him, and I retweeted it <laughs> oh, as yeah. a. And normally when I say retweets are not endorsements, in this case, no. It is. Retweet a full. as endorsement, full endorsement, Thomas D, Thomas D, best DJ in Utica. There, I've said it. Come back on the show, Thomas, anytime. I heard a, a rumor that he's going to bring back a Soul Saturday oh. on the 21st, but only because it's the 21st of September. I love it. And uh, <laughs> it gives him a reason to play that song. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, everything was great. You know, everything was... <laughs> I love Thomas. I'm sorry. I can't. Great guy. Everything was great. I mean, how, we, how do you feel in hindsight? We're exhausted. It's the it's two days afterwards. Yeah. Do you feel like this went was a success? Was it a success? Do you feel happy with I everything? I think it was the the most smooth and and best year that that we've mm-hmm. done. Like I really do. Um, you know, there's always things that you write down for next year. You know, I, it was it's a lot of work. Like you yeah. know, it's a lot of work. Um, I sort of went on like a, a little Twitter um, rampage today just because I don't think people realize, you know, like everyone says they want to support things mm-hmm. or when you ask for help with things, everyone everyone's interested in, in signing up to be a volunteer and then, you know, but it's really those, the handful of people that actually put, mm-hmm. what I think, what did I say? Uh, put your manual labor where your mouth is and, and can <laughs> come down and actually do things. And, um, you know, we, the sponsor money is like amazing you know AmeriQ four years in a row mm-hmm. um, is amazing but then there's no value on the people that yeah. that help make it possible and you know all of you guys but especially the people who are who are friends but have you know who, who are community-minded people who have, have become dear friends and have become part of our, our well, you know, little family you know, I'm sure I don't know if you I don't know how often you hear it from the rest of the crew it's it's important to us too like I it's not just a you know yeah the thing that you and Justin like drive forward it's just, it means something to everybody who's involved in it and yeah. uh, you know before you know I'm sure Justin doesn't tell you enough <laughs> uh, but you're doing a great job yeah. you're doing a great job thanks and, uh, we're very we wouldn't be able to do it without you no Thank chance you. at Thank all you. zero chance I don't Thank if you. think about it, it was just him now if it was just him oh, what would yeah. we do no. Back to being a blog. <laughs> Do you blog. remember? I actually, I wish I could sort of go back and look at all. The he old deleted stuff. all the he, old all blogs. The yeah, I'm so mad at him. He like went through one of his. Like... Justin, you deleted the archives. The Maiden Utica archives are gone. For what? From the internet? No. No, they're all, all gone. The, all oh, the never mind. Are oh, gone. Maybe I'll no, have to they're look gone. Back. I looked at right. them the other day. <laughs> all right, Kate. Uh, I'm gonna let you go before Justin uh, barges in here. But before I do. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, uh, listening to, or watching. Uh, yesterday, on my first Saturday Sunday off in a long time, I watched the uh, season one of Veronica Mars. It's on Hulu. The, the new, old one. Oh, the old one. So not the, the old, new season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I have been uh, 
Um, I've already seen those, though, so I don't know if they count. But I've been catching up on Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. I, um, have you watched no, that at all? No, I, I just read it's the story. It's very eerie. It's very... Um, the book is good. The book. I've also well, read the book this year. The book is good, but the it's very. Uh, it's it hits a little close to home. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> yeah. That's why I had to break it up with well, some Veronica Mars crime solving. It's weird because I just read a, a story. Uh, I think it's in a podcast actually. I listened to. They were talking about how Margot Atwood, uh, Margaret Atwood has the sequel. Yeah. It's coming out finally, but it's got this crazy like embargo on it. So like. Unlike most other books and like novels in the world right now, that you can just go like find a readers like you cannot. No one knows what it's about. Really? They can't release the plot. They like refuse to. Really? Very strange. So I'm very curious about it. You can look yeah. it up if you want on the internet, but um, that's pretty good. I did you watch season three of The Good Place? It was on Netflix. Yeah. I kind of I'm ready for season four, yeah. but I didn't know if I loved season three. It was yeah. Only okay. Yeah, back on Earth, I liked it better. In the, I liked, yeah. in the Good Place. I'm hoping yeah. that the season four is a little bit. Yeah. All right, Kate. I appreciate you. Thanks thank for you for coming on. Letting me share my um, love. You're always about welcome. The event. You're always welcome here. You know that. And thank you. Brought chili. Apparently, there's chili yeah. here now. But yeah, I mm. could use some. It's a chili. It's chili season. It is chili season. Uh, and with that in mind, we're gonna go back to the show, uh, folks. We'll be back in just a moment. seconds from now. <laughs> <laughs> only feels like mere moments. Um, so thanks again to Derek Clark and to Kate Riley. Uh, I'm just going to get into this week's history lessons. We'll blast through them. I really want this show to be under two hours after last week. It's a long it's a long process when they're over an hour and Try to fill a bus room as hard as you can. <laughs> Pull them over. <laughs> On this day, uh, 1776, Congress renames the nation Speaking the United up. States of America. Uh, you know what it was called before? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> Yeah. Close. It was Illmatic. No, uh, do you know what it was no, called? No, I don't. The United Colonies. That was sort of the general use colloquialism. United States, a better name. Yeah. Uh, how do you think we did with names? United States of America is kind of an interesting, like, naming, like, uh, naming idea, it right? It almost like, feels like one of those things where it's it's become such a standard that it's hard to objectively yeah. think about yeah, its know. quality as a name. I like USA. USA is nice. USA is nice. You the can bang, just call bang, it the bang. United States... You know, you just call it America. Can you call it the U.S. still? Just the U.S.? Sure. The U.S. of A? A lot of good ones. I wish we could see all the other options we had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Little England. They were going to call it. Uh, No, United Colonies not great. Big England. (laughs) Yeah, Big England. That's actually pretty strong. I like that. Um... I mean, uh, I had like a list basically of other countries that changed their names, but I didn't know the names of the countries they changed them to, so it was kind of a bad list. Uh, do you know what Iran used to be called? This is kind of an easy Persia? one. Persia? Persia. Yes, yeah. that's correct. That's where we get the Persians from. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one here for Cambodia, but I can't pronounce the one that it used to be. Cambodia used to be something called Campuicha? Campuicha. So there you right. go. And then, uh, was it, uh, what's Burma known as now? You know that one? Myanmar. Myanmar. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I'm not going to do the other ones because I don't know either of them. So, okay. was it Istanbul and Constantinople? That was the one I always think of when I was a kid, that those are the same place. It's true. It's also because it's that weird They Might Be Giants song that I think Heather is bouncing around to, mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> uh, all right, so moving on. On this day, 
1850. California becomes the 31st state, and they did it in record time. Nice pickup. Yeah, do you guys? You, I'm sure you guys can guess why they decided to make the mistake so quickly. Because California is sick. Yes, but also because <laughs> California had all that sweet, sweet gold. So I'm saying, yeah, they got the. They're all set up. They got the gold, wonderful land, boundless natural resources. Uh, when Mexican diplomats signed the treaty uh, that seceded California to the United States, they pictured California as a region of sleepy mountain towns with a population of about seven thousand three hundred. Uh, it was within nine days that they discovered gold in Sutter's Mill in California and began one of the greatest gold rushes in history, uh, and the 49ers began flooding California. Uh, so more than 60,000... The general rule was to become a state, you had to become a territory first, and it took years to get above like 60,000 inhabitants to get to that state. But because so many people were there so quickly, they just pushed them right through. Uh. Uh, and now, people, the uh, there are some people who want them to be their own state. How do you guys feel about the California as a solo, their own country oh, uh, exit people, plan? They're all fools. <laughs> the, the Cal yeah. exit. Come on. I can't, my mind can't even handle this that. This is the same. This is the same idiots and like bot farms on the internet that spouted the Brexit stuff. And that's all. It's idiots. Anybody <laughs> who wants to secede one of the states, I'm best of luck. That's not a real thing. Uh, on this day, 1897. A 25-year-old London taxi driver named George Smith became the very first person ever arrested for drunk driving after he slammed his cab into a building. He later pleaded guilty and was fined a cool 25 shillings. Quite the, it's quite a hefty fine in 1897. Uh, the first in the United States, the first laws for operating a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol went into effect in New York in 1910. Uh, in 1939, Dr. Rolla Harger. A professor of biochemistry and toxicology patented the drunkometer, which was the early version of the breathalyzer. Strong name. Yeah, the drunkometer. <laughs> yeah. Straight to the point. If you so ever... he gave me the drunkometer test, and there was just, you know, we administered the drunkometer. Uh, have you ever had to blow into the breathalyzer? Uh, yeah. I've blown into the breathalyzer before, yeah. and I was sober, but it's still a daunting, it's scary to blow I, into when it. When I was young, and I got pulled over by a cop who was just kind of had like a an cavalier. We were being, we were, everybody was a little cavalier that evening. <laughs> um, but me me and a good friend of the pod, we we hadn't been drinking, we hadn't been hanging out, we got pulled over, and he thought we were just like bad kids, and thought we were some other car, so he pulled yeah. me out and made me breathalyze. I blew a 0.00, um, and I smugly felt very good about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we discussed it. We discussed it. I didn't get a ticket, so. Yeah. Um, despite the invention of the breathalyzer, it wasn't until the late 70s and 80s that public awareness about the dangers of drinking and driving uh, really began to get uh, more solidified, and laws became tougher. A lot of that was because of, like, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving movement mm -hmm. in the 80s and Carol Leitner, or Candy Leitner. That's another story that I don't we have time to go totally into. Uh, each year, roughly uh, 15,000 people die in alcohol-related crashes, and almost 1.5 million people are arrested for drunk driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Uh, I feel like that's, like, drinking and driving is the most commonly, is the most common law-breaking that happens? No. No? Not the most common, but... I feel like I know a lot of people who cavalierly drink the, and drive pretty... There's a lot of small laws that people break all the time, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. most broken law. Like, I'd probably have to go to something like a jaywalking, yeah. I bet. If right. you go pound for pound for I most mean, commonly broken law. Like shoplifting. You know what's crazy to me about it is the, the fact that they had the, like... 
it takes time for something like that to sink in. You're like, oh, wait, maybe we should make a law and yes. people shouldn't be... Like, just new problems that arise in new technology. Like, you know what? Maybe we should do something about these people drinking this, like, bathtub gin that somebody made and smuggled in and getting around the wheel of their Model T. Let me ask you this question, though. And I, I, there's no real answer. It's a hypothetical question, right? Yeah. People go to Saranac Thursday night, or they go to the Armory in Syracuse, or sure. whatever. Some region where there's bars and get-togethers and events and such. Sure. If a car, if a cop pulls over any person who leaves that event, oh yeah, I say that all the time. Like, like what, 80 percent chance that person is maybe around the limit, just yeah. casually going out that having a couple of drinks. That person is at least registering something on a breathalyzer. Yeah, probably yeah. saying eighty percent. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Yeah. I wonder. That's funny. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I wonder if there's some sort of like, like rule, not for cops, but like some sort of unwritten rule about like. I'm going to pull you over. If you leave a bar, like, can you pull a guy over the second he leaves the bar? You oh, they do it all the time. Don't they, like, yeah. put no, some they... on your tires or something? I've always heard that they I don't, mark I don't... your tires. Really? I've never yeah, heard that heard one. That's pretty good. I don't know what that is, but they'll definitely, um, yeah, I mean, they'll definitely park and sit outside of places. But yeah. if they see you pulling out, like, that's why there's certain locations, you know, especially in smaller towns where I feel like if there's cops watching and people pull right out, they'll snatch everybody. Because yeah. if you're at the bar, there's a good chance you didn't just have club soda the whole time. Mm. Even if you had one beer, they'll still pull over and double mm-hmm. check. And that's yeah. just, it's an imperfect system. And it's the only system in place to try to catch people from, you know, the very real danger that people are out mm-hmm. here. Like, because you hear stories from old timers. You talk to parents and uncles and everybody talking about the way it was back in their day. Yeah. Where they'd get hammered and they'd have like kegs in the car and the cops would be like, ah, I just try to make it home. And, <laughs> yeah. and those cars were made out of steel and weighed like ten times as much <laughs> as they do today. So No, it's it's crazy. And again, it's just another good example of like how quick the the world changes in and if you think about it in the big term, like from the nineteen seventies today is really not that long mm-hmm. of a span of time. Mm-hmm. And the like if you go back to the nineteen seventies as well, there was a bar in MVCCC or MVCC. I don't know if it was the seventies or whatever year they yeah. built it. They had like Bars in the colleges mm-hmm. for students to go to because well there's bars in colleges because the bars the drinking age was eighteen well yeah. I mean the drinking age was eighteen at the time for most places mm-hmm. so you could actually have a bar in a college like which yeah. you don't see as often yeah, I know college for sure has a bar mm-hmm. I know Utica College had one, I don't know if had one. So it, it like is in the bar ago. but no one's ever really no, nobody goes no to it there's never good bars at the college. <laughs> uh, all right, so on this day, 1991, um, I don't know, it's Nirvana. Smells Like Teen Spirit released as a single. Do we care to talk about Nirvana any more than Smells Like Teen Spirit was a song that people really like? I feel like we talked about it a lot. I mean... It's a great... Not album. in a way to be dismissive of them because, like, that album was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... I just feel like this is a pretty... Like, I feel like most people know that Smells Like Teen Spirit is a very important song. Do you think this song is has held its cultural like, its cultural currency, like, in the, in the waning years? It's it's about Nirvana as a whole. It's not about a song. It's about the band. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's like one of my lower Nirvana songs that, of the popular. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. That's. I think everybody was probably pretty much on the same. Anybody who listens past, anybody who actively listens to music will probably agree with you on that. I think. Uh, according to uh, their Wikipedia page, uh, the <laughs> single was intended to be a base building song because "Come as You Are" was supposed to be the mainstream hit. So right. the idea was it was that, a hit too. Yep. That was a hit too, but I think the idea was that Smells Like Teen Spirit was uh, supposed to sort of get people like, oh, who's this band? And then they were going to release the more commercial mainstream song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently Smells Like Teen Spirit was a big deal because like college radio and like um, like hard rock stations started picking it up as well and it started mm-hmm. to get popular over the mainstream. I kind of like, I feel like I have mixed feelings about Nirvana in general. Like, there's a lot of songs I really like. Uh, but there's also some stuff that I just don't care much about, and their catalog's kind of small in hindsight. Like, not for any of the reason he's dead, but 
I don't know. I, I I feel like they're more of a they're less of a band for me to listen to and more of like a piece of history. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't I don't I don't know if I actively go out of my way to listen to Nirvana. When no, I'm I don't think I would either. Yeah. But they are something of history because they were a time where music was changing, but also like everything was either you were either poor or you had money but it was a way you could be like different like and right. still be okay i don't know if that makes sense no it's like a mainstream so, counterculture yeah so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the way i look at it when i think of nirvana it's like huh that's an interesting take <laughs> no that's actually an interesting take because i think that like even like growing up like the stuff that like there's love... either one end or the other end of the spectrum and nirvana was kind of like in the middle so it brought out like people like younger kids could play guitar and i think that brought what? out different parts of people that weren't there before. Well, as much like, for like feeling like Blink One Eighty Two, for example, was like one of my bands, yeah. right? Like this is my band. They were still had like MTV music videos that were big and popular and mainstream. So even though it felt like your particular brand of culture, mm-hmm. it was still a yeah. part of the mainstream. Well, a band, yeah. like, a band like Blink can only exist in the mainstream culture of Nir- because of a band Ron, like Nirvana. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Blink One Eighty Two is literally a three-piece band that yeah. gets labeled as a punk band but has these big giant pop singles. It's you know. Yeah. The music isn't immediately identifiable as the same, but it's a very, mm-hmm. they come from a very similar place like yeah. that. And it's coming back around, too. Like, a lot of those early 90s bands, I was in Utica Coffee today, and I saw a girl who could not have been even 20 years old, and she was wearing a Pearl Jam t-shirt with the mm-hmm. stick figure logo, and it had, like, a fake tape set yeah. list on the back, like a full-on yeah. 91 reproduction Pearl Jam like t-shirt. That. And I was just like, huh, (laughs) interesting. One of my students who graduated and is in like their first year of college stopped in the office a couple weeks ago and I was working and they'd like, oh, I went to the Warp Tour. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I saw Blink. I'm like, what? Why? What do you care about this? Like, why? Well, because, but it's the same. I mean, think about. Really liked our parents music. Think about when we were in high school and everybody's like, "Oh, I like all these different like, classic rock bands." Yeah, no, it's the exact same thing. That's true. Classic rock now. It's the exact. We're just getting old. That's where we are. Just getting old. And last but not least, on this day, 1999, uh, Fight Club, the film based on the novel by Chuck Palahniuk, uh, premieres at the Venice Film Festival. Uh, studio executives did not like the film when it came out, and they mm-hmm. restrict uh, and they restructured uh, Fincher's intended marketing campaign to try and reduce uh, the anticipated losses. It didn't do very well when mm-hmm. it came out. Uh, it was cited as one of the most controversial and talked about films of the '90s. Uh, the Guardian said it was an uh, saw it as an omen for change in American political life and described it as visually as uh, visual style as groundbreaking. This movie became really successful in the DVD era, which it was where, well, it was that weird magic era where things were like in that late nineties, early two thousands, where DVDs were just rising stuff up from the dead. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kids in dorms are sharing DVDs, and Fight Club was huge. One yeah. of those movies. Did you watch Fight Club? Oh yeah. Did yeah. you like, like it? Five times. You liked it? I liked it probably more yeah. than five times. I feel like when I watched it the first time in whenever it came out, I watched it like a sleepover at my buddy Evan's house. Shout out to Evan. Um, I didn't understand it. The first time, I didn't, I, I didn't like. I, I liked it. I was very captivated by it, but it took me a couple of views and a little bit more understanding to kind of put the pieces together yeah. in my head. We were kids but too. Again, yeah, it was something different that movies weren't doing. Like so, does it hold up now? Do you you watch yeah, it recently? For sure. Did you still like it? Yeah, the visual style is like really three, compelling. That's something that. It helps that I like all the people in it, like Brad Pitt and Edward Norton mm-hmm. and Helena Bonham Carter mm-hmm. and even Meatloaf are all really good in these parts that they play. And that's probably why I watch it again too well yeah. the director's gone on to be a director like you enjoy you know what I mean so yeah. all these people have kind of have grown yeah Fincher is Fincher like one of our top three current directors working uh, Fincher Nolan you could easily make that you could safely yeah. make that argument yeah. somebody might argue against it but like he's absolutely in the conversation I'd say do you buy anything into this sort of like this is a forerunner of a new mood in American political life like people taking this movie too seriously 
Not, um, that's weird. The, yeah, the, <laughs> that, the qualifier of like people taking it seriously is strange, but like, do I think that it definitely started to sort of key in on like some trends and the way this weird anxiety was shifting around the new millennium? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was definitely, you know, it was part of a movement that we saw in a lot of different popular culture where people were talking about more stuff like that and kind of rejecting that. Uh, happy-go-lucky, carefree 90s mm-hmm. consumer mm-hmm. culture materialism yeah. just fitting in being a bot and a drone and sort of foresaw a lot of the stuff we saw, you know, the struggles of, you know, the, the working class and people going in and that, you know, post-9-11 yeah. horror show that the world has turned into, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, yeah. Uh, I don't think it caused people to go out and start their own <laughs> no, Project Mayhems, no. like, fight. Nobody's got the stones for that kind of thing. Okay. They like to think so, but they're fighting in a basement. Uh, like other 1999 films, Magnolia, Being John Malkovich, and Three Kings, uh, it was recognized as an innovator in the cinematic forum and style and developing new filmmaking technology. That's definitely a thing. There's a lot of movies that came out post-Fight Club where you can tell, like, yeah. oh, you took, you're taking a lot of cues from the visual style of Fight Club. You gotta go back and rewatch. It's been a long time since I've watched it, like, sat down and really, like, given a good once over it really was I think for a time it was my favorite movie that, oh definitely I remember that I remember yeah, it's that. moved down the lists over the years because I think I like different things in movies now as yeah I of older. course you like different things and plus you've seen more that's true and that's always the way it goes too as you get older you know you've seen hundreds more movies so who knows uh, just some quick bits some other vlogs uh what's one childhood playground game that would make the best pro sport or pro sports league uh, I'm going to jump here. It, it already existed. It was called... It's not really a, a traditional one. It's called Slam Ball. It's basketball with trampolines. So if you were a kid and you had a trampoline and a basketball hoop, you could play Slam Ball. That was a sport they should bring back. Sort of, kind of a, a game you could do in your backyard. I think what they're talking around here is something more like tag. I think they mean the games can. that already existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know Slam Ball? No, oh, I'm going to show you Slam Ball how that's when we're done yeah, here. Yeah, but people like people rip, people broke their legs off playing Slam Ball. Like, people got so <laughs> injured. It's so dangerous. It and people are doing it now. People, like, what's that place? That. You got a kid. What's oh, that? Rock pl- and Jump? What's the place that people go to all the trampolines? Rock and Jump. Yeah, it's yeah. like that. It's super dangerous. It's insane. Really? They were a lot smaller. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, he's not dunking a basketball. Nice he doesn't weigh like, you know, 180 that's pounds. True. That's true. Jumping like high with other guys trying yeah. to stop him in air and colliding. Who uh, knows where they'll fall? Game? So kick the can, maybe? Would you watch professional kick the can no. if people well, are no, out no. here? I do Capture the flag. Tag. Capture the flag is a Capture good answer. Flag. Capture the flag. Yeah, in like a good course, mm-hmm. right? Is, isn't that just like paintball or without paintball ball. guns? Well, they, they play capture, capture the, the flag. flag yeah. Yeah. Freeze tag. Remember that? What was that one? Where you freeze tag. So you're going you like to you're gonna tune in on TV to watch no, people not, stand still? That sounds good. <laughs> tune in on TV to watch, watch people stand still. Could you imagine the highlights? Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm just not talking today. I'm done. Here's another one for you. Uh, the other day, I uh, looked in the mirror and realized my hat, sweater, and vest were all made by Patagonia. Too much. Uh, even with, like yeah. Too uh, much. So the question if is: You have the logo showing. Yeah, you can't be wearing. You can't be sporting like four logos at one time. So what's the most amount? How many could you? Could you wear a Adidas T-shirt and Adidas shorts? It starts to look like a uniform. Wait, it starts, starts to look, to look like, like, like but a not all Patagonia stuff has. I mean, I wore well. That's like four Patagonia things yesterday. I think one. If I have like a Nike, it's hard though because like if you have Nike sneakers on. And you have like a basketball jersey. It might be a Nike jersey. It's not necessarily a Nike T-shirt, right? Right. 
I don't know. It depends I think how he's much worrying too much. Yeah, I think it depends nah. how much you as an individual care. Like I mean, unless it's like a Patagonia shirt. If you're just going out with your friends to play basketball and the basketball shirt you like happened to be by Nike and your shoes happened to be and you're like, well, I got this shirt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever. I, who cares? <laughs> Nobody actually cares about that, you know. But if you're trying to like piece together an outfit and you're going out and you've got like four showing, got the Patagonia logo on your hat and your vest invisible on your shirt and wearing like the bracelet and it's like on your (laughs) socks it's a lot Um, so before we close out let's talk about White Claw because you guys tell me that apparently I'm in on the backlash against White Claw is that a real thing that's already started yeah everybody's talking yeah I always see people talking like oh White Claw hashtag White Claw White Claw White Claw I always see the people talking against it now too New York Times, uh, sorry, New York Post on Saturday says that millennials are in a panic because of the national white claw shortage. That's that fake. On fr- oh, it's fake? Yeah, it's, fake a mar- it's a marketing. They're trying to clear the mango before they release fall flavors. They've got, yeah, <laughs> they overproduced mango because it was the summer flavor. So it's the same thing we did with Youth Club a couple years ago. I'm like, yeah. oh, there's going to be a shortage. Better go buy it. Like, yeah, there's going to be a white claw shortage. Better go get more so we can clear rotation and get the fall flavors in. Uh,. Heather, I'm sure you won't have any time this week to do it, but if you decide you want to go see It Chapter 2, maybe if we can go see it this weekend, we'll do a spoiler things next week for mm-hmm. It Chapter so 2. Look at my schedule. We'll look do at, spoiler things. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see It Chapter 2. I've avoided a lot of the reviews. Business weekend. i got a so wedding, but we can probably work one. that out. We'll figure yeah, something. you should watch the first one. I'll watch one. the first one so I can be It's on HBO like, right now, I think. It is? Yeah? It, yeah? I think it's on HBO right I have now. The HBO app. Strap in. Have a scary night. Scare a child. He's ready for It. No, I'm not. He's not watching He's ready. It. No. He's ready. we got to tough him up a little bit. He's tough. Me and him are buddies now, so I get to say. I know. Say. You guys are buddies. Say. Like, he said yeah, I don't get it. Home. He hates me, but he loves Kevin. I just, had to, I just had to take the time and be patient. Break through with the boy. Yeah. Did he talk to you? All right. It helped that I was sitting next to you during the meeting. Yeah. And so, like, we were kind of... He was connecting with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the end of the show. Don't Sorry. Don't connect with me. Follow Heather at Heather Wise One. <laughs> Sorry, let's connect. Follow Kevin, Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> follow SF Doomit. Or just follow Or just follow the Unicast. That Unicast. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher Podcast, Apple Podcast for taking over. Thanks to everybody. Great weekend. Downtown oh, yeah. gets yeah, out. Yeah, good job for everybody. I love seeing everybody. It there. is. It's always nice to yeah, be together. Come, come, out, guys. come down to the park, get all over the city. Shout out to the whole crew, whole team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it tight, folks. Woodstock lives. Uh, Use those passports. Yeah, Use they're all awesome. Fall they passport so cool season. Yeah. Fall passport season. All right, the tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. We will see you next week on another episode of the Uticasts. Check it. No, never seen it.